soul. Get this party on the road. How fast can this white go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here was your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a cow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shooting facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. See the man who won't stay for you. Give me all the peace and fire for your wife. Everybody wanna know how it feels. Everybody wanna see what it's like. My baby wanna be the queen. Well, alright. Slackers, good morning world. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, it's a good sound. It's like it's a good sign. Well, it is a good sound, too. Yeah, it's a good sound sometimes when I'm not congested, but it's a good sign. It just means that you're still alive. And that's a good thing for some of you. It is certainly a good thing for me this morning. Um, we have some massive, massive news to announce this morning. Lex, it's good to see you after such a long break. How are you? Good. A lot better than I was at Christmas break, that's for sure. Well, you certainly sound a little bit better than than I did <laughs> during the Christmas <laughs> break. Man, I don't know what 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 is this thing that's going on around. I've, I've been sick for about a month and a half now, and I can't shake it off. Oh, jeez, man. I'm a pretty healthy dude. You know, I'm the swift definition of swarthy Latino health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't get sick very often. But now I do somehow. I don't. I don't understand it. But uh, yeah, I, I've had this silly cold for about a, a month and a half, and I can't shake it off. Yeah, I, I I feel you, man. It's the something is definitely weird about this uh, this bout. But it's not even COVID. It's not like <clears throat> this uh, RSV thing that uh, people have been talking about in the news. But it's it's just some sort of bug that just has uh, has uh, wiped me out as well as you have. I don't know what it is, but. Uh I, I think is um I think is 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 my masculinity fighting off society. That's what it is, and it's just coming out through my nose. <laughs> no, that's the that's the great way to put it. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> you know, if if you're tuned in this morning, uh, the the big announcement that we have, folks, and it's really important because. Um, the uh, the Greg Carrasco show has been on air for about sixteen years now, and what started as a, as an automotive show, and uh, we are still the largest automotive radio show in the country, has turned into more of a lifestyle show. Yes, of course, we talk cars. Uh, we talk car industry, your vehicle, what to buy, what not to buy. If you're looking at buying a car, selling a car, leasing a car, if you need an unbiased person to try to help you make a decision, this this is the show. If you um, if you want to trade in a vehicle and you don't know what it's worth, you you let us help you. But you are all, if you want to talk 
I don't know. Motorcycles. If you want to talk tattoos. If you want to talk relationships or the lack thereof. If you want to talk about your dating life, I can most definitely help you. If you want to talk jujitsu, if you want to talk UFC, although I don't watch it very often anymore. I used to. Oh, really? Now, now I'm busy, dude. I'm, mm. I'm so busy. I don't, I don't have time to watch the news or watch the UFC. By the time I hit the sack at 10, 10.30 at nighttime, I'm spent. Mm-hmm. I'm spent. You know, let me run you through my day, man. Sure. I get up at around, I don't know, 5.15, 5.20. I make it sometimes, sometimes, because now I have this beautiful coffee machine in the house that uh, uh, I can create my own yummy goodness out, out of my house. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when I'm not hitting the local Starbucks at 5.30 in the morning for some jet fuel, I usually hit the gym at around 6 or so. Mm-hmm. You know, I bring a coffee for my girl, boom. I wake her up with this sweet aroma of some cocoa. <sighs> then I hit the gym downstairs, push some weights. I need to get under something heavy in the morning. I it's, it's a it's a visceral need. I need to do some deadlifts, some squats, something to get to get me going in the morning. Then you know, do my a, a little bit of my readings. I don't know, just get myself informed. Hit the office at around nine nine fifteen. Boom, I'm at the office. Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity. That's where I hang my hat for now. It's a f- fantastic group of people. Last year was phenomenal. Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity, and they also bring uh, they they sponsor the show, so they bring it to you. I stay there until probably. You know, five, five, ten, rush home because I live around the corner from the dealership. And then at 5.30, I am at Okta BJJ Mississauga. Boom. Wow. With, with Professor Vincent. Mm-hmm. I s- sit around, take some pictures, talk to the parents, you know, do regular admin work there. Boom. Then whenever I can, 6.30, I shoot up to Milton Okta BJJ. Wow. So I talk to Coach Sean, you know, Professor Adam. Talk to the parents, talk to the kids, check things out. Then, boom, I drive down to Okta BJJ Burlington. I get there at around, I don't know, 8 o'clock. Uh, I spend some time there with Professor Flavius, who is the highest ranked professor, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu professor in Ontario. And uh, talk to the parents, talk to the kids, talk to the professor, help out. And then, boom, I head down to Okta BJJ Oakville. I get there around eight forty-five, nine o'clock. Wow! You following it? Now four octa BJJ. Yes. In now, one night. That's awesome. now I put my uniform on. Now I sort of actually do some training. So you know, depending on the time I get there, you know, we train from I don't know eight something until ten, and mm. we just beat each other up until the wee hours of the night. <laughs> so I make it home at around ten fifteen or so, and by then I have my. You know, beautifully well-balanced diet, two giant fatty steaks fried mm-hmm. on avocado oil with just a little bit of sea salt. Mm, 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 mm. So that doesn't leave much for me to watch TV or whatever, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's pretty much my day. So I don't I don't have time to, to watch TV. Now, saying that, while I was away, because I just got back, uh, I went to visit the family in the old country. I was born in another country. I'm Canadian. I'm not something something Canadian. I'm Canadian. 
so I went to visit the family, and uh, while I was coming back in the, in the plane, I started to watch this um, Netflix series called Chimp Empire. Have you heard about it? I have actually heard about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I have Dude. heard about it. Dude. 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 <laughs> wow. I don't, you know, I mean, never mind. I'm... <laughs> The cinematography is number one. I don't even know how to get the cameras that close to the chimps, man. Those things are terrifying. Mm -hmm. The babies are super cute, but the full-grown alpha chimps are just terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you you know much about this. It was a documentary. I think it's just – it's a four-part – uh, series. There's four episodes. That's it. They're about 45 minutes long, and they talk about the largest chimp community that has ever been found in the history of scientists going into Africa and finding these things. Wow. It's in a place um, in Uganda. I think it's Uganda. Yeah, it is Uganda. called Ngogo. Mm-hmm. It's an Ngogo uh, National Park. is a protected area. And uh, they follow this this. Um, colony of chimpanzees. Traditionally, chimpanzee colonies are only 20 or 25 uh, chimps, but this one had up to 120 of them. Really? Yeah, dude. And the politics. Jeez. I, wow. I never knew how intricate and elaborate a chimp society actually was. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got a job. Everybody knows what they need to do. They have patrols. They have, uh, you know, they have meetings. They get together. They groom each other. They scheme. They plan. They wow. betray each other. It's like, what? What is happening here? It's like, you know, it brings me back to a really ancient, you know, before evolution was fully completed into a, a Roman, you know, empire sort of Caesar being betrayed by Brutus sort of thing. But dude, you know, you laugh when you watch the show and at the end you will most certainly cry. You know, I, I was sitting there with my girl <laughs> watching the last few minutes of the show. Next thing I know, I feel something cold on my chest. Okay. <laughs> and it was... You know, after tears start to cool off, you feel the wetness. She was like, oh, crying, dude. Right, right, At the right. end of the show, she was just like in tears. Wow. I, I, I strongly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, it was certainly something good to watch. And, you know, it took me a few days to finish it off. But uh, that's pretty much what I... Uh, what I find myself watching these days is documentary and things. But, you know, I, I want to welcome, uh, you know, here is um, part of the announcement. I, I know I, I always digress on things, but uh, starting this morning, what you are listening to is the Greg Carrasco Network. We are broadcasting out of two stations right now, Saga 960 and the GTA here in Mississauga, and also Classic 1220. Out of St. Catharines. Now, this is a pretty big deal because uh, traditionally uh, classic 1220 uh, plays music. is classic music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000. And uh, this, is a, this is a reincarnation. Classic 1220 is a reincarnation of the legendary CHSC 1220 radio station that dominated the St. Catharines area since the mid-60s. So this is a... This radio station is a bit of a legend in the Golden Horseshoe area, and right now is part of the Greg Carrasco Network. Now, folks, for, for the people in St. Catharines, welcome. This is awesome. You're listening to Slacker number one. That is moi. And uh, 
the phone lines, I mean, uh, this is this is a talk show. We open the lines for you to talk about whatever you want. You want to talk politics? Let's do it. You want to talk literature? Let's do it. You want to talk our favorite dictator, Justin Trudeau? Let's do it. <laughs> The lines are 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, and uh, today is Saturday, January the 13th, and we are live coming to you. So we're going to take a very, very short break. Uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. The phone lines are open, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Network, reaching most of the Golden Horseshoe area and GTA, where all the slackers live. How's it going, man? You know, talk to me, Lex. I uh, I just came back from Chile, you know, went to visit the old country. I thought that breathing some dry, hot Chilean weather was going to help my lungs, but it failed me. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. Oh man, damn. nothing, nothing happened. Did you do anything over the uh, the Christmas holiday? No, <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, I didn't actually. It was just uh, uh, whenever I, uh, when I when I wasn't uh, playing music for church and stuff like that. I was basically at home bedridden and like not even wa- able to watch TV. I was I haven't been able to watch wrestling over the past two weeks because You're I've been just boy, so wiped man. out from You're everything. Such a good boy. Look at you. You know, folks. Uh, I'm gonna send the the bad signal out to everyone that's listening to the Carrasco show my producer Lex needs a girlfriend you know he is uh, he, he is uh, uh, he is, I, I was gonna say that you were an insult but uh, Hell oh no. wow but we need to get him a girlfriend I think that that's the uh, that's the source of all his illness uh, you know once he uh, once he finds uh, a good woman for him to or, or or man, uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't I'll judge. Say, this is a. This is. I will go on the record to say, just women. <laughs> this is a judgment-free uh, show, man. Uh, we don't. We don't judge about those things. We don't. I don't judge either. Yeah, but for we, me personally, just women. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't care uh, who you sleep with. Honestly, we we really don't. Uh, so long as you stay in the right side of the uh, of the law, and uh, yeah, you're not found on the Epstein list. Holy <laughs> smokes! 
How long do you think you think it's gonna be until some charges are laid on this? Did you well, see I this? Know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it, this is accurate, but uh, Bill Clinton was logged at being there eighty times. <laughs> what? Well, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, I'd have to say I'm not surprised about that at all. <laughs> That was a very, that was a terrible impersonation of Bill Clinton. But that's how, but that's the thing. That's how most of the uh, most of the voice of the Simpsons actually happen. Bad impressions. Wow, what is this? Uh, Eighty times to Epstein's Island. Wow. The other one is our favorite um, uh, computer guy, Bill Gates. Oh. Nice. Look at that. You know, he is really trying to change, uh, you know, humanity with uh, with his efforts. <laughs> he seems like everybody and their brother was there. What, oh, what's going on with that? You know, I don't even think he's dead. You know, call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever you want. Somebody snuck him out, man. You know what this reminds me of? <laughs> I'm not drawing a parallel, folks. I'm, I'm not, please. And I'm going to get in trouble for this. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say it. Ah, uh, who cares? Uh, you know when <laughs> when the uh, the ex president of Nissan uh, Global, uh, Carlos Ghosn, was um, wrongfully jailed by the Japanese government because he was getting too big and he was making too many money moves, so they put him in jail without a trial and whatnot. And he hired this um, green beret mercenaries to wow. sneak him out of Japan in in a music box, like a you know <laughs> instrument box. Wow, dude. Honestly, it was. Have you watched the uh, the uh, the documentary on Netflix? Also, no. You know how they snuck him out of Japan? It's insane. So the, the, the president of Nissan in Japan. Yes. Wow. So they jailed him there, and they you know there was no trial. I mean, I don't know what pol- political, social, economical situations in Japan is. It's a different language, man. I don't know, and I don't care. Um, but uh, they jailed him. And um, the Japanese government kept him there without uh, uh, without any possibility of getting out for the you know for the foreseeable future at the time. Mm-hmm. So he figured, you know, just get me out of here. Out. I need to get out of here. Yeah. So he hired this uh, this mercenaries. He paid them like five million dollars or something. So they snack him in um in uh, one of those giant boxes that people put musical instruments uh and the uh they flew him into Lebanon and uh it was a, that's a non extradition country so they couldn't get him out so now carlos going to sue in the uh, the company and he's he's living a life man he's he's the dude now look at this that it you know carlos going as far as i understand was a good guy you know, he was personally responsible for turning a a, a giant uh, Japanese company around to the point that they grew perhaps more than they should have uh, during the late '90s and early 2000s. Um, the guy was a rock star, and he, he whatever he was, they used to call him Midas. Whatever he touched, just turned into gold. So, family man, respected executive. You know, whatever he's been accused of, he hasn't been convicted of. So, you know, you have to, uh, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Not saying that. So this is an honorable person. But then on the other side, you have this dude who was importing underage people for criminal activities on an island in the Caribbean. And all these uh, 
dignitaries, all these billionaires mm-hmm, <laughs> were mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. in there. You know, the uh, the amount of money that was flying in and out of that island, dude, is, is something that people are not talking about. I don't even know if this is a distraction. I don't know if the, this is uh, something like they're just the media is putting out there just to distract us from the real problems that we have right now. But uh, this is insane. I mean, have you have you given any any thought, folks? If you if you want to talk about this, call me two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred is the phone number. But uh, is this is beyond me? How this is in more news? I it, mean, it is, it's it's insane. Like I'm I'm just pulling up the uh, the complete list over here, and yes, there are a lot of uh, names here that uh, may not be you know front row center a list names or something. Bill like that. Clinton, Bill Gates, Prince Andrew, who else? Stephen Hawking, Al Gore. Oh, have you seen the memes of a Stephen Hawkins and what he was into? Oh my gosh, that was like the, I was, oh, I dude, dude, come across dude, dude. those, and I'm just like, like there's a part of me that just wants to take a noose and just like pull. No, right no, now. no, 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 like, no. Geez. You know what? I wish the inventor was an SOS pad for my brain, so I can just scrub it off. I wish I didn't see this. <laughs> I wish I didn't see this. I mean, this guy was one of the most respected scientists on the planet, arguably the the, the brightest person that has ever lived. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what he was into? Oh no! Don't look it up, people. No, please don't. Don't don't, don't do this. Don't do. Do not Google what Stephen Hawking was doing on Epstein's island. Do not Google. <laughs> do not Google that query. You can't go back. You can't unsee it. Yep. Oh, this is not good. But somehow, uh, you know, the uh, the judicial system in the United States is uh, is doing everything possible to not to suppress, to withhold, and uh, to not uh, lay any charges on this. I, I don't understand it. You know, to be, I'm not joking about this. It. I don't think that Epstein is dead. It would make sense. I mean, like you know, if you if uh, uh, if you look at it from a certain point of view, it would make sense that uh, that just like the uh, president of Nissan was snuck out of jail in Japan, uh, it is possible I, that this guy got snuck out and uh, and he's like hiding no, but, somewhere on like I don't I, know like and uh, in an immunity laden place. <laughs> I I feel awful, folks, for drawing the parallel but uh, what I wa- all I wanted to do <laughs> was merely explain the juxtaposition of people you know one like I said earlier an honorable I think I was a big fan of this guy man. I was a big fan of Carlos going mm-hmm. you know how, how an honorable executive had the means and the, the money to be able to do this now this guy was a criminal man he had almost a billion dollars yeah, in a, assets a, a true criminal yeah a true criminal <laughs> Why wouldn't he do it? I mean, this was one of the most one of the safest jails in Manhattan in you know in New York. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden nothing is working. The video system is not working, the security guard is asleep, nobody saw anything, nothing is happening here. Uh, apparently the brother can't even find the body. Nobody knows where this guy is buried. Sounds it's like too wh- clean, man. What? Sounds too what? clean. That was that was amazing, man. That was amazing. I don't. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, you know, it seems like that is a that is a big topic of conversation uh, these days, and I, I don't understand it. I think that at some point somebody needs to put Bill Clinton in jail. You know, he's gotten away with so much for so long, and a lot of this stuff is just you know deviant sexual behaviors. Like, what is mm-hmm. happening here? This guy is supposed to be the leader of the free world. Is that is that the best that we can do? Is that is this what you know a devolving society 
stars looking like? You know, if you if 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 you start getting a little deeper into that rabbit hole and you look at declining empires, you know, over over modern man time, which is about 9,000 years, really, you know, you always see this sort of thing going down, you know, sexual ambiguity, you know, political issues, the, men, uh, men are not men anymore, yeah, and, you know, and so on and so on, yeah, you know, the nuclear of the family just doesn't matter anymore, it's like, what, what's happening to us? And you know, something else that I wanted to tell you, Yeah. Um, you know, we keep hearing in the news of the immigration pro- uh, problem in, in Canada and the U.S. Right? Yes, yes. So it's a big, it's a big problem, especially in the southern border, border of the United States. Mm-hmm. When I got to Chile, dude, and I was, I landed in Santiago, mm-hmm. and I went down to Santiago downtown. It's the same thing, dude. It's like they opened the borders. It's like every single. Refra from all the surrounding areas just landed there. There, you know, there are ten cities downtown Santiago. They, wow. There are areas that are being just like taken over by mafias, and there are ghettos from different countries that you cannot get in. So I was going to see one of my buddies that lives in a pretty, it's a pretty decent area of Santiago, and I told one of my aunts that I was going there. She said, "No, no, no, you don't want to go there by yourself because if you make the wrong turn, you won't come out." So, oh, seriously? Like what? Are you serious? Like, Santiago is a big place, right? There's like six million people. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, then I got in the cab, and I, I guess I guess I don't look from there anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, you know, when I'm here on the radio, you're listening to me, you know I have an accent, so you know, so, oh, this dude is not from here. Yeah, thanks. I've been <laughs> in Canada for 35 years now. But mm-hmm. anyways, so I have an accent here, but when I go to Chile, I have an accent there, too. So it's like I belong nowhere. Come on, people, come me a break. <laughs> so the cab driver immediately says to me, do you know where you're going? I said, yeah, why? He says, well, because, uh, you know, which way do you think we should take? You oh, jeez. I, I know that he was probing me to see if I knew my way around. Yeah. So he could just charge me more. It's like, oh, dude, really? So then I had to lay on really thick Chilean accent. But even my Chilean accent has an accent. <laughs> Wow. So, I, so wow. I couldn't fool anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, so he was—he took me around the area where the uh, this encampment was uh, was taking place, and apparently, there's been you know police shootouts with the people that have taken over this land down there. Oh, jeez! And uh, it's the exact same thing, and and it's impossible not to think, folks, that this isn't something that is being planned at a global level, because if you look at most social socialist communist countries around the world they are eliminating borders mm-hmm. and i don't think that's a good idea i i agree it's not a good idea to do that at now all. i i need to i need to be careful with this because what is that oh sorry that was my alarm my, my morning alarms yeah for you that's when you take your mitle <laughs> <laughs> I need to be careful with this because, look, I am an immigrant myself, so I, I, I obviously I'm not against immigration. I am the swift definition of a rock star immigrant. You know, you come here, the typical story, I had 50 bucks in a bag and nothing else and no English and so on, blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, you listen to me on the radio. So, you know, that's a overnight success that took me 35 years. But anyways, everybody forgets about that, right? So, all I'm saying is this, that when you have unrestricted immigration, 
The country doesn't have the social infrastructure to be able to look after these folks properly. It's not fair to the you know to the people that live in the country. Mm-hmm. It's not fails. It's not fair to the people that are being allowed into the country because you know all of a sudden they become personas non gratas within the communities and the streets. You know all the all the natives of the country, like the original people, the 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 uh, the, the Canadian borns, the American borns, the Chilean borns, because that's what I can tell you or talk to you about. Uh, they resent this, so you put you put new immigrants at odds with with the general population. It's not, and that's not a fair thing to do to anybody. Now, do I believe that we should, you know, take immigrations from for humanitarian reasons? Of course. Of course I do. But there's got to be an actual number that can be absorbed and assimilated into the country. Otherwise, you're going to have chaos, folks. Folks, you're going to have chaos. You know, all you have to do is go, you know, look at the news and, and, and read what's happening in, in New York. Because I can tell you this, <laughs> the governor of Texas is busing all these new immigrants into New York. Have you seen that? Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. hilarious what's happening in the United States. So you, you, you want immigrants coming in? No problem. We'll send them to you. And then... Now, parks are being taken over, empty homes are being taken over, schools are being vacated yeah, to I, allow for immigrants to move into the schools. That is insane. So I, you I, are displacing I, I, your children. It's like, okay, all right, all right, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from a layman's standpoint, okay? Yes. I'm just a regular dude talking about regular things. And don't listen to me, folks, because I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, you know, I'm using the Socratic principle with myself. Is, is that insanity? No, you know, not Roses at all. are red, violets are blue. I'm just, I'm just schizophrenic and so am I. <laughs> uh, no, that's from, uh, what about Bob? It always stuck with me. But, but you the know, Socratic I, method is like, is, is a reliable way to, you know, figure out things. All right. So I, I have a house, okay? I, you know, this, this is my house. This, this is my family. I love them all. I, you know, from time to time, depending on the neighborhood, I put a fence on because, you know, I don't want, you know, the riffraff to come in. You know, I yes. have, pri- I want some privacy. Okay. I want some privacy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that want to come and visit me because, you know, my house is, you know, it's, it's a nice house. It's not too big, not too small, but it's a nice house. It's a yes. nice home. It's a nice home. Okay. Mm-hmm. So from time to time, I allow people to come and visit, you know, from, you know, my old country, you know, one or two. One so twice a year. Yeah. All right. And that I can absorb. I can I can feed them for that week. I can look after them for that week. We can go on little trips together that week because I use a week vacation to look after them. Mm-hmm. Then they go home and we're all happy. Right? Yep. But what would happen if out of the blue they all come and anybody can just walk in my house and eat eat my food from the fridge and use the TV and I can't do anything and they're just sleeping on the in, the in the middle of the living room and the dining room and the kitchen and I can't move anywhere it's like dude man I don't I don't want you here yeah like, I don't I, I don't know I don't I don't have the money to feed you I have to feed my kids first because as you all know you know charity starts at home yes and the next thing you know that good intention that you had by letting people in is turning into a, an, 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 it's not well, they're not welcome anymore. Yes. And that makes you resent the people that are coming into the country that are coming here, you know, for the most part. You know, people are coming here for a good life. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm not saying that there are some bad elements that are coming here just to extract the system, you know, the you know the benefits that the system provides, like you know the welfare state and this you know completely inefficient healthcare system that everybody boasts that is free, but it's not. You know, whenever you're paying sixty, seventy percent tax on in your income, it's not free. Trust me, we don't have free healthcare, folks. Mm-hmm. So at one point you say, no, I don't, I, I don't want these people here, man. I don't, I don't want it. I can't. Maybe I'll take one of you. Maybe I'll take one of you and I'll, and I'll take you in and build a room in the basement. I don't know. So you, you have a separate ent- entrance so you can come in and out and you know you, you don't interfere. But I think that right now we are creating resentment. And uh, this is backfiring because, you know, honestly, when I went to Chile and I went down, downtown Santiago, I did not see Chileans there. I did oh. not. Honestly, I did not. Wow. I, you know, I went there once. I said, oops, I, I better get out. Wow. And uh, I did not visit that. I, I ended up going to the south of Chile, uh, which was a very, very, very interesting experience. Um, you know, big urban centers are, are having a tough time these days because over the last uh, year or so, maybe two, I've been very fortunate of visiting a bunch of cities around the world and around the United States, even in Canada. And all I see is the same. When I went to Vancouver, I see people on the streets walking around like zombies. And not just at East Hastings. You know, crackheads. Like, it's, it's pretty scary. It's a scary, scary proposition. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to approve, you know, for us to finance hard drugs for people. It's like, what are we doing, people? What are, what are we doing? What about values? What about education? Yeah. What about discipline? What about enforcement? You know, which is another thing that I saw down there. The police has no power anymore. At one point, it's the same. It's happening along the major cities around the uh, around North America. The, uh, the the police are are not able to use the powers that they've been given because of um, whatever social uh, the, uh, stigmas and stuff like no, that. But look at this, and it's yeah, it's horrible. The police don't get involved in Chile, like. In the neighborhood where I was staying, there was I never saw a single police officer. They don't come down there. I'm sure they don't want to. No, they don't because it, even if they do, there's nothing they can do about it. They will find some sort of technicality and then make them lose their job because nothing can be enforced. You know, the thing that is proliferating in, in, in Chile, and I'm so glad that we have minus 100 here in Canada and it's dangerous. They call them motoshocks. Motoshocks. Yeah, so it's two guys in a motorcycle wearing helmets. Carrying guns, just boom. Two guys, one gets off the motorcycle, grabs the purse, put a gun to your face, take off. Go in, take your phone, they take off. They see you, they, they grab something, they take off. It's a, it's a very, very common thing down there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's always two guys on a motorcycle, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Now, apparently, this is a very common thing in Colombia, in Venezuela, in Brazil, in old, you know, third world countries that are developing still. But uh, this is infiltrating into other societies. And it's a pretty scary situation, folks, because, you know, again, it seems like only the bad guys are allowed to use guns. Do you see those guys in, in Barry this week that they tried to break into that house and, you know, shooting at the actual lock? It yeah, was, yeah. It was caught on camera. I, apparently, they caught four of them, and uh, the fifth one is still on the run. But um, you know, things are not uh, 
they're not nice these days. No, and, no, no. and we need to be aware. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. When we come back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about stars. Can you remind me, please? Because I will forget during the breaks. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show on the Carrasco Network. We're going to be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. David Asloff here. Now, I only have one thing to say that you need to make better life choices. Listen to The Greg Carrasco Show. Just tuning in, folks. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network, and we welcome the entire Golden Shoe area through Classic 1220. This morning is the first day of our simulcast. We're spreading. We're growing. We are inevitable. Satanas. Line, isn't it? Love it, love it. Thanos. That's how my son calls me, Thanos. <laughs> yeah, he has me saved on his phone as Thanos. That's awesome. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't think that Thanos was a bad guy. I think he was just misunderstood. Probably. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind him. But um, uh, that's pro- Infinity Wars. Is pro- it's got to be the the best Marvel movies? No. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It's. I mean, the, I, I mean, up to a certain point. Up to a certain point, the Marvel movies, the Avengers, the Gardens of the Galaxy, very good quality stuff. And uh, oh no, but they, the last ones they were they went woke, dude. Yeah, you know exactly. the, the last uh, the last Thor was just like the, one of the absolute worst movies ever made. I, I had to stop it. So. Yeah, it was it was it was weird, man. I, I I was sitting in the theater, I was watching that, and I'm just like, really? I paid my money for this. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few of those ones out there right now. It's like, nah, nah, sorry. Ah, just give me some toxic stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> or what the other side believes is toxic. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but anyways, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the month of January, there is a couple of interesting deals that you should probably pay attention to, folks. Because I know, I know that money is tight. Uh, based on what's happening out there, the inflation, the government, taxes, and all this other stuff, so, ah, they bore me. But it's our reality these days. Money's getting scarce. Things are getting tight. Tight. Do you agree with that statement? Oh, my God, yeah. Things are getting tight. <laughs> and not the good way. Not the good way. <laughs> oh, no. 
No. Yeah, not in a good way. So if things are getting tight, um, this deal may be something that you want to listen to. Um, for a very limited time, uh, you can get a brand new 2023 Nissan Qashqai. The Nissan Qashqai is the equivalent to an HRV, a CHR, uh, the equivalent to a Kona, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit bigger than a Kona for sure. But it's, uh, it's between the Nissan Kicks and the Nissan Rogue. It's there's somewhere in between. It seems like we have SUVs coming out of our yin-yangs. Mm-hmm. So if you, uh, if you don't know what a Nissan Qashqai is, you should probably look it up. And the reason why you should look it up is because of the price that I'm about to tell you. So for a limited time and only while quantities last, you can get a brand new 2023 Nissan Qashqai S. S, the letter S. Not the word. The letter S. Qashqai S. <laughs> All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive. Not front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. This is all-wheel drive. This thing is a tank. You put some snow tires. It's a tank. And you can get this thing for, listen to this. You paying attention, Lex? I am. Listen to this. This is It's very important that you listen to this. Mm-hmm. $69 a week plus tax. Sweet. 69, one of my favorite numbers, <laughs> $69 a week plus tax. And this is on a 24-month lease, if I'm not mistaken, with only $26.95 down. Now, that, folks, a deal and a half. I don't, I don't even know what to tell you. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. $69 a week plus tax. Are you kidding me? A brand new car in this economy? Under this government with this inflation? Yeah. See wow. how my voice even crackled there for a second? Like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's that good of a deal, folks. That's good of a deal. It's like, oh, my God. Let's go. I'll take 10. <laughs> so 2023 Nissan Qashqai all-wheel drive for $69 a week plus tax with only twenty six ninety five down. I don't think that you can get a better deal on mainstream CUVs, compact utility vehicles. And that is it's not even that compact. The Qashqai is a nice, nice SUV. Um, the second deal that we have, and this one is pretty interesting because – Look, I have never been a big proponent of leasing, man. I don't like leasing. I never have. I never will. But from time to time, we need to make exceptions, okay? It happens. It's a product. I need to sell it. It's available. I will give you the options, but it's entirely up to you what you do with this thing. You want to lease it? You want to finance it? Don't pay cash. That's, that's, that, don't leave that for people that don't know what they're doing. You can now, if you're looking for a luxury vehicle, uh, and I'm talking about the smart luxury, you know, the the understated, not the ostentatious, opulent, in-your-face that will make your neighbors hate you and your car gets stolen. Not not that kind of luxury. The, you know, the, the smart one. You know, the one that we all, the people that know, they're just, they're just like, yeah, yeah, I see you, man. I see you. I, I, I know what's up. I know what's up. I know... That you know that I know what's up. Mm -hmm. You know one of those ones? Yep. So you can lease right now an Infiniti QX50 or QX55, which is the direct competition to the uh, Audi Q5, the BMW X3, uh, the Acura RDX. 
Yeah, that's the direct competition, I think. Hmm. Um, I think it's also in competition with the Mercedes GLC, maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think that's what it's called. I think that's what it's called. And I, I, that I'm a big fan of Benz, man. I like I like Mercedes Benz cars. I, I always have, mm-hmm. but not not that one. Not you know A class, C class, nah. Unless it's an AMG, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Um, what is that? Um, the CLA. That's a baby Benz. You see, the CLA is like the Honda Civic for Oakville. Ooh. You know, that's what all the spoiled brats are driving. They force their parents. Like, you know, I, I want to see LA. I want to see LA. They're not real Mercedes people. Don't kid yourself. Even if you put an AMG badge in the back of a CLA, it is not a real Benz. I think a real Benz starts at an E-class. I, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Lex? Well, I mean, like... Is money here? Money's not here at the moment, but uh, like, that's too bad. But, but but that's the thing. Like I always grew up uh, because my dad loved Mercedes Benz cars, and he still does. Uh, but and so, I mean, like anything that has the Mercedes Benz logo, uh, from my upbringing. Already, I think, okay, ooh, shiny, beautiful, uh, uh, money, and all that sort of stuff, right? Uh, and uh, But now that you're explaining these things to me uh, as an a, a educated car person, um, okay, well, you know what? There's, some, there's a lot more to Mercedes-Benz than uh, what I've been known for a long time. <laughs> well, as a, as, a, as a driver of Mercedes-Benz, I mean, I drive everything. Um, yes, I run a Nissan store, an Infinity store, but, uh, you know, we sell used cars, and we get all sorts of different used cars, from Jags to Benzes to, I don't know. Like, I know, I don't think, Lexus are boring, man. Lexus, Lexus are boring. Right? They're nice cars. They're good cars, you know, arguably the best cars on the planet. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Toyota, but uh, the, the reality is that they're boring. They have no soul, man. Really? Yeah, Interesting. They, have, they have no soul. You know what I think? If 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 cars could dance, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm looking where this yeah, is going. Yeah. If cars could dance, uh, you know, Lexus and Toyotas would be, would waltz like like square. You know, yeah. it's, there is no there is no sexiness behind it. You know, they don't get low soul. You know, they don't they don't bachata. You know, they don't they don't salsa or merengue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there are some cars that will merengue with you, man. And uh, the Toyotas are not one of them. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're absolutely not. Mm-hmm. What car would merengue with you? What car would merengue with me? Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I would say... I know one. What, 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 tell, a, me, tell me, tell me. A Range Rover Sports Supercharged with Red Guts. Oh, Ooh. yeah, baby. Ooh, hello. Yeah, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Mm-hmm. I, another car that will probably... This car... One, this car won't salsa with you. It won't bachata with you. It won't merengue with you. It would do some samba with you, like samba, dirty carioca samba. Ooh, okay. It's a Mercedes G wagon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happen. I can. See yeah, that but you know there are some there are some you know little cars that are that are cute, but they're nice. Like a CRV, for example. Yes. The CRV is sexy in in how amazing that silly car is. You know, honestly. <laughs> It does everything. It does nothing excellent. It just that does everything well. It's right. Like, you know, it's, it's just it's a perfect car. Mm-hmm. The other one that um, that does everything. You know, in all fairness here, I have to give credit where credit is due. The Toyota Rav Four. Yes. Fantastic vehicle. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if it would. 
I don't know if he would salsa with you, but you know he could push it a little bit. He could cha cha with you. Okay, there you go. I'll, okay. I'll give, yes, I'll yes, give yes. the rap for a cha cha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the Nissan Rogue will most definitely bachata with you real tight for mm. sure. If you haven't gotten inside of new, the new Nissan Rogue, you have no idea what you're missing. I got a good test drive that one with you one of these days. You. I, I I don't want to go on a test drive with you. You just you can go, but you, you can you can bachata yourself with the rogue man. I'll give you the keys. You can take it for a couple of days. Hell yeah! But folks, you know people have been listening to the Carrasco show for the last sixteen years. So to all the new listeners from St. Catharines, and thank you so much for joining the uh, the Greg Carrasco Network here. Um, those who know know that before they make any carbine decisions, there is only one place that they're going to go. It's wherever I happen to be, because that makes it one of the, I'm not saying the, because people get in trouble. It's, oh my God, it's not the, prove it, you can't quantify it. Okay, fine. It makes wherever I am one of the safest car buying environments on the planet. Why? Because I have this radio show to hold me accountable to. And right now it's Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I've been there for about, it's only five years now, dude. Damn, time flies. Mm -hmm. My beard wasn't as white. It's getting real white these days. You know, I actually, I'm going to confess something on air. I bought that, um, you know, um, what is it called? Grisham 2000 or something, you know, to to color, you know, to add color to your hair. Like the just for men kind of thing? Yeah, the just for men thing. But, you know, just to add a couple of speckles of black on my beard from time to time, just to make me feel. (sighs) I don't know, man. It's middle life. Mm Mm-hmm. Aging as a dude is rough, man. Now, I I do understand that, you know, I have aged, honestly, like wine. You know, I'm I'm a pretty handsome dude. Some guys age like milk. That's not... (laughs) No, no, no. If you look down and you can't see your toes, that's a pretty clear indication that you've taken a wrong turn somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that's 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 not me. I have full clear picture of everything. But uh, that's a that's a good thing. Now, why am I talking about this? Can you remind me? Talking about uh, just for men and like uh, and, no, uh, we, talk, we started to talk about middle life crisis. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It escaped me. You see, that's another side of old age, people. We're going to take a short break. <laughs> the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and the show will continue. The phone lines are open. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network. We'll be right back. What's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this white go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? 
at Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live, here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk, shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining, turn up the station. There's no more waiting, this show is beginning. It's too late to escape, let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. And we're back. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network, reaching the entire GTA and Golden Horseshoe area in the world through the web. Right now, you can watch the entire show live, streamed on YouTube on the Greg Carrasco Show and just punch in the date. And there we are. Talking about things, all sorts of different things. If you want to talk to us, call us, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. And we talk about anything, cars, sure. Everything else, up to you. Who do we have on the line, Lex? We've got Daniel on the line. Daniel, what's going on, brother? Uh, what? Uh, how can I make your life better this morning? Daniel? Where is Daniel? Daniel, you there? I think he left you, man. Uh, he's here, apparently. Uh, you know what? Uh, let me go check up. On the, uh, let, 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 let me check on the phone line. It should be working, but for whatever. Oh, hold on a second. Let's turn him up. There you go. Let's pot him up. Let me see. Hey, Daniel, you there? Maybe, maybe not. Well, listen, this is the first time of the simulcast, so you know I knew that there were going to be some bugs on the lines, uh, and also the uh, you know whenever we uh, we grow, whenever something good is happening, the communist gremlins they start eating up our wires. That's what usually happens. <clears throat> but before the break, I was talking to you about if if you were looking to uh, you know, to buy some you know a, a, a good SUV, a compact luxury SUV, the the, the nice kind. Uh, there is a special for Oakville Infinity that you probably should also know. For a limited time, you can get a QX50 or a QX55 for only 1.99% interest rate. But on top of that, there is also a $1,500 lease cashback. So you can use those $1,500 for whatever you want. You can use it to buy snow tires. You can use it to buy it against your extended warranty. You can use it to do whatever you want, really, to, to reduce your capital costs as a down payment, whatever you want. You can use those $1,500. So 1.99% lease rate and a $1,500 cashback, lease cashback. That's what's available to you. You know, before we went on break, we were talking. Were you able to find Daniel there, Alex? Unfortunately, no. But if Daniel, if you would like to call back in, hey, the phone lines are still open. 289 275 9600. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. Unfortunately, we lost Daniel. He wanted to talk about you, man. I wonder what he wanted to talk about. I wonder too, honestly. 
Well, listen, you, you're a big topic of conversations on the show these days. I, uh, a bunch of people that listen to the show said that I've, uh, me being complimentary to your progress, your growth as mm-hmm. a human, uh, was very, uh, was very nice last time you and I talked. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Did you, what did you, uh, spend your Christmas present doing? Um, well, pretty much buying medicine just to keep my symptoms oh, down, good man. God. I'm sorry, man. That's the best I could. I was bedridden, dude. You know, I uh, am not the good kind. Oh boy, the uh, you know one of the things that I wanted to tell you, uh, Lex, is that when when I went down to Chile, uh, I had the privilege of um, hiring a company that is called La Ruca Aventura. Is um, I'll, I'll repeat that La Ruca Aventura. L A. R-U-C-A, Aventura, mm. which is La Roca Adventure. Mm-hmm. And uh, this company is owned by my my brother's brother-in-law. And uh, what they do is that they do trekking in the Andes. So they have uh, a complex of cabins up in the top of the mountains. And I'm talking... I'm talking 2,000 meters up in up into the mountains. You know, it's two kilometers, you know, high up. The, uh, people don't realize how enormous and majestic the Andes are. So, uh, when I was uh, when I was visiting my mom, my brother said, "You know, Greg, why don't you come up to the mountain with us? You know, it, allow us to give us." Uh, to give you that as a treat while you're here. So I figured, yeah, I don't know, no problem. And which, by the way, I um. Don't let me get sidetracked, okay? Because I always get sidetracked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about going up to the mountain, okay? Yep, going Remember, up to the mountains. Okay, going up to the mountain. But what the vehicle that I used to go up to the mountain, when I got to the airport in Santiago, I had to rent a car. And I didn't want to rent a small car because there's always people around. I always carry my aunts and we go to the beach and we do this and we do that and I carry my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I always rent an SUV. So this time I rented a brand new um, 2023 Cherry. It's called Cherry. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Cherry. Uh-huh. You say, what is a cherry? I pop my cherry on a cherry. <laughs> it's a Chinese vehicle that is taking over SUVs in Chile. The front looks like an infinity. The side looks like a Santa Fe. The back looks like a Rogue. <laughs> the inside looks like a Kia. It's, it's like a... F- the babies, you know, Frankenstein's baby. But uh, wow. uh, I thought it was an all-wheel drive, so the guys tricked me at the airport. Whatever it was, by the time I came back, it was too late to complain. But I had to use this vehicle, which did mostly everything right, but worse. Interesting. You know, it did everything right, but worse. Mm-hmm. You know, the the doors were tinny. The suspension was clicky. You know, the air was a little noisy. The fuel consumption was. Iffy, <laughs> everything was like middle of the line, but uh, the thing was like, you know, for for the size of a Rogue or the size of a CRV, the thing was like fourteen thousand dollars. It's like what? Wow! What, what, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean this thing is fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, look it up. It's called the uh, uh, SUV Cherry C H E R Y. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, Cherry. The Cherry Tigo is what Cherry I'm looking at SUV. right now. And in the meantime, while that's happening, we do have, uh, apparently Daniel is waiting on the line and we have another caller after him too. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk to him. Let's yeah. see if this works. <laughs> okay, who do we have now on the line? Let's see, Daniel right now. Daniel, you there? 
Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Daniel. Um, let's see. Daniel? Hold on. Well, we need to um what where is money? I think that we need some technical help with this because with the simulcast we can't uh, keep putting people on air. You know, why don't we do this, Lex? Why don't we just take a short break? You know, let's let's take a short break right now. Okay. And uh Let's let's sort out these phone lines because I want you guys to call. This is a you know we we can engage the conversation is the is the bloodline of the show. And if the phones are not working, we can't uh, we can't bring the product that we that we normally bring to you. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred is the phone number. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred is the phone number. Call us and we're gonna try to get you on air. So the people that are holding right now, don't go anywhere. We're gonna get to you. We'll be right back. What's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. Hey, Jerry Springer here. You know, I've met some pretty messed up people in my life, but I got to tell you, this guy takes the cake. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. And we're back. Third time is a charm. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network. We are Canada's largest radio show on weekends. There's no other place that people listen to more than this show on Saturdays and Sundays. Who do we have on the line? Let's see. Daniel, right? Uh, Daniel uh, is uh, offline right now, but we have Adam at the moment. He is calling in. Adam, how can I make your life better this morning? Hello, Adam. Oh, no. I just, don't you just love it when a plan doesn't work? I, I think Canada's I, 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 I think Canada's favorite dictator is uh, has something going on over here. Jeez, because I, I tested it out on my own phone. It's perfectly fine. Adam, can you hear me? I don't think so. Weird. Well, hello, Adam. Are you there? There you go, folks. We usually do a much better job than this, but you know, we just we just gotta move on. I'm sorry, man. Uh, you, where is money? He, did he go back to sleep? <laughs> he's, he's here. He's here. I think you went back to sleep. Anyways, let's talk about something else, man. I don't. I don't want to deal with the phones right now. I'm not a producer. I am not a technical expert when it comes to this sort of thing. So, uh, I'm sure that they'll figure it out at some point. Hey, hold on. Let me see here. Let's see what happens. Hey, Adam, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, um, they'll figure it out at some point. Oh, there oh, you there, there's Hello. Adam. I can hear Adam? Yeah. I can can you Adam. turn turn Hello. the radio down, please? Hello. There you go. Hi. How are you? Hello, I'm calling from space. Hello. You're calling from space? <laughs> hey, Adam. Congratulations. You made it farther than I did. <laughs> uh, hey, Gregory. Yeah, man. I love the host. I love his laugh. I love everything about your host. Oh, thank you, man. He makes, he makes the show go, you know? <laughs> well, you know, we... we you don't tr- make the show go. He's the one that makes the show go. But anyway, I want to talk about leasing. 
Okay, talk to me. Uh, regarding if you own a business, leasing is perfect for you. Well, it depends. That's correct. Uh, no, it depends. You know, it depends. Uh, it depends what the goal is, right? So, for example, if you, you see, I'm a business owner, my business owner myself, and I don't, I don't lease. Uh, and the main reason why is because I don't need to change my car every two or three or four years. Uh, the money yeah, that the. Go ahead. I agree with you. I don't like leasing. I like only my vehicles. But when it comes to purchasing a, a vehicle for a business. Leasing is the way to go, no? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you can you can write off both. In fact, I believe that uh, if you have a highly profitable company, the 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 actual tax break that you get on a finance is greater than you get on an actual lease because on a lease, for what I understand, is uh, you can write off up to eight hundred and fifty dollars a month times eighty percent, plus all your insurance, your gas, and your maintenance and whatnot. If you can actually uh, prove your kilometers and the usage of the vehicle, that is your maximum allowance. Okay. Now, with a finance, you can write off, I believe it's up to, you know, it's $50,000, but you can write off after, in the first year of ownership, you can write off up to 50% of the overall value of the vehicle because you're going to buy it for the company. The second year, you'd write off 30% of the remaining, and then for every year after that, it's 30% of the remaining and so on and so on. It's called the 30-30-30 rule. So you can still use and maximize your write-off capabilities on a finance um, without having to lease. So the answer to your question is you can you can write off Anything really, you can write off a lease, you can write off a finance, you can write off a cash deal. You know, my, my issue with this is this. If your goal is to save the most amount of money, I wouldn't lease. If your goal is to not impress your neighbor all the time, every two years, three years, I wouldn't lease. If your ego is not fragile, that you need to have a, the newest, shiniest possible thing on your driveway every two or three years, then don't lease. If you are looking at following the the you know the footstep of people who actually have money, they usually keep the vehicle, uh, they maintain it to death, and uh, they drive it until it dies. That's, yeah, you're that's, right. That's what that's it comes exactly, down to. That's exactly what I... Yes, I have two vehicles and I do the same. But I'm just saying, I thought that uh, when you're buying a new vehicle for business, whether it's uh, you know a uh, delivery job or landscaping job, whatever, the leasing was the way to go because that's where you can write off a lot of the stuff. No, you can you can write so it you can write it off either way. Yes. So you know that's uh, yes, you that's know. That's so you a, say if you go, you say if you buy a, uh, a truck for your business, it's better just to uh, finance it. Correct? I'm not saying that it's better. I think that every situation is different, and I don't. Again, I don't claim to have the monopoly on truth on what to do. A lot of people disagree with me on this, and uh, and again, I embrace it. You know, disagree with me all you want, but the reality is this: that I get to see this. You know, tens of thousands of times over the last 30 years and uh, leasing, if you want to save money, okay, if you want to save money, mm. leasing is not the best way of doing it because you got to remember that everybody makes money on the turn. Every time you trade the vehicle in, the wheels start turning again and they make money off of you. They resell the vehicle. You have to start the whole process no, over and over. But if you keep the vehicle, lease it and 
keep your uh, truck, whatever. Isn't no, that no, that's not a good idea either. You see, what happened over the last three years uh, was a bit of an, an anomaly. Uh, for the first time, in at least in my 30-some-year career in the car industry, uh, vehicles were worth more than the buyback on a lease. But that's not the case anymore. The market is kind of you know, passed us. In fact, a lot of dealers got into a lot of trouble buying, paying unusually high money on trade-ins and on, 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 on vehicles on the used car lots. And now the market is left them playing offside and they're going to have to take massive losses over the next few months because the market has changed. You see this artificial bubble that the, the car manufacturers created saying that they didn't have enough cars. It was, it was not accurate, folks. There is enough cars out there. You know, car manufacturers are withholding product, you know, for you to pay more for the vehicle so you don't have to, you know, you don't have the ability to negotiate as hard. Also to keep their interest rates high. Because why would they give you a, a discount when there is no product, right? Wrong. That's is this is all a game, and I, you know, again, and this is one of this is a pill that is very difficult to swallow for the general consumer. But the reality is this: that you know, car manufacturers have been playing a game for the last three or four years, and uh, and people are falling right into it. So you know, my suggestion is this: just follow the course, buy your car, finance it for as long as you can for the lowest possible interest rate that you can find, pay it as quick as possible, keep it until it dies. End of story. That's always been the, the the most cost-effective way of getting a vehicle. Now, I I challenge anybody to argue with me on this, and 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 let's let's talk about it. But the the reality is this: that uh, you know my expertise comes from the car industry. Now, with luxury cars, it's a different story, right? Because luxury cars. You're going to take a – can you just mute that because there's a lot of background noise on that call? Uh, with luxury cars, it's different because the the best serviceable years of a use a luxury vehicle are the first three years. After three years, mm, things start to get a little expensive around here. So you don't – if you want to drive one of those hundreds of thousands of dollar vehicles, lease it for one or two years, get the best use out of it and give it back. You don't want to do a brake change on that Porsche GT3S, mm. <laughs> which is, I think is $25,000 oh just, just to change the brakes. You don't, yeah, you don't want that. Unless you're driving it like 100 kilometers a month or something. There's a lot of people that do that with, with classic cars. But thank you so much for the phone call, man. I really appreciate it. There you go. He's gone. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. Now, this is roughly the time that our next guest is going to be on air, Lex. Yep. Uh, uh, we can probably break right now and, and call Alex. Do you think that that would be a wise thing to do? Uh, we could, actually. Um, if you, I mean, we still do have to talk about the QX50 and the QX55 as well. I already so. did. Oh, you did? You okay. know, I, I did that while you were trying to figure out the phones. Ah, okay. You cool, see, cool, there cool, you go. Cool. You missed that whole part of the show. So let's take a short break, and we're going to have uh, a senior editor for Motor Trend Magazine that is going to talk to us about Hertz selling 20,000 EVs. Listen to this. 20,000 electric vehicles, they're shifted back into the gas power cars by Hertz rental cars, you know, and they know what they're doing. They have hundreds of thousands of vehicles, folks. And if these people are making that decision, I want to know why. So let's take a very, very short break. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. back folks if you are just tuning in you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network broadcasting all across the country and uh, this morning we welcome everyone from classic 1220 in St. Catharines is the new additions to the network um, we are Canada's largest automotive radio show and from time to time we get some really smart people to come and talk to us you know, we uh, we try to entertain you, we try to make you laugh, and at the same time, we try to inform you. But this this electric vehicle conversation is not going to go away anytime soon, so long as the government keeps trying to force feed us into buying electric cars and nobody's buying it. Uh, this is going to continue to be a conversation. Um, on, on a re- recent trip that I took down to uh, South America, I realized and uh, I read some stats down in Chile that uh, less than 0.5% of all the vehicles sold ac- across the country down there were electric vehicles. There is seriously no interest on electric technology in any country that is not part of the development uh, of the uh, the modern world. Um, the, the move that hurts rental uh, made last week, if I'm not mistaken, to, to dump 20,000 electric vehicles into the marketplace made news around the world. And uh, what better person to talk about this than Alex Kirstein? He is uh, one of the senior editors for Motor, Motor Trend magazine, and uh, he is with us on the show this morning. Alex, thank you so much for coming to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. I, I'm glad that you're here. Um, this is big news. 20,000 electric vehicles being dumped into the marketplace. What is your take on this? Well, I think it's really interesting, and I'm, I'm glad you're interested in this story, um, because there's sort of two narratives going on with it. And I, and I think this would be, I know you have particular interest in EVs, so I think that Comparing these two narratives about this story is going to be really interesting. Um, the, the first narrative, and it's the one that sort of people were talking about right when this news broke, is that this shows that EV demand is really soft, that people don't want EVs, and that uh, businesses, fleets that use EVs are pivoting to internal combustion cars. And so that was that was sort of the first narrative, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if that's what you heard that's when, what, when you that, first heard about this story. That's what I've heard. And uh, the the, uh, the interest on electric vehicles is declining in a way that uh, uh, even rental companies don't want to take the risk of having a fleet of electric vehicles that are not being used. Now, I can see how the the talking heads would spin this because uh, there is always two sides of the same coin and I, I, I even though I don't know what you're going to say next as to what the second nar- narrative <laughs> is I can already see the headline now you will correct me if I'm wrong but if I were them I would say that the demand for these vehicles in the used car market is, is so high that they're trying to get as much money as they can out of an aging fleet of electric vehicles 
Am I wrong with this? Yes. Yes. The value of these vehicles that Hertz is dumping is low. Okay. It's, it's low even it's low, low even for EVs. So, you know, this has been pitched as a story about Hertz and a story about EV demand on like a macro level, you know, and, and, and I want to start by saying, I, you know, whatever my personal feelings about EVs and internal combustion vehicles, EV demand has a problem right now. I mean, this, this is not, not a surprise. Um, EVs are expensive to buy. Interest rates are high. And values have dropped. So, you know, as we've gotten out of that sort of constrained supply situation and EV supply has increased, we're sort of hitting, you know, people have described it as sort of like a cap on EV demand. You know, like, are we hitting the natural ceiling for EVs at this moment? And so, in many ways, this story dovetails with that narrative, that sort of EV adoption, you know, skepticism narrative. But, you know, and I have more to say on this. I, I actually don't think that's the narrative that's happening here. What do you think is I happening? Think this, isn't a this isn't a story about Hertz. This isn't a story about EV demand. This is a story about Tesla. Okay. Yeah, so let me explain why. So Hertz, a couple years back, announced that they wanted to move into the EV sector. Uh, they wanted to acquire a whole bunch of EVs. They, uh, they wanted to acquire, I think, upwards of 100,000 Polestars. But, you know, for the purposes of what we're talking about here, they, were, they signed a deal to acquire between 100 and 200,000 Teslas. And they didn't end up taking delivery of that many. That's, that's something we can talk about in a minute. But um, at the moment, well, I mean, I guess until they started dumping these 20,000 EVs, uh, Hertz's EV fleet was 80% Tesla. And if you have, you know, if, if you know what's been going on with Tesla over the last two years, you, you might already sort of see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. Tesla... Tesla's, in particular, after a period where, you know, used car, used Tesla prices were high. You know, you had Elon Musk out there saying that, people, that they were going to be appreciating assets. You know, people were going to make money buying a new Tesla and then selling it used. And, um, of course, things haven't really turned out that way. So, um, so a little more background on this. So, Hertz buys says they're going to buy 100,000 Teslas. They end up not taking delivery that many. They, they end up taking delivery of about 35,000. But that's 80% of their fleet. Now, the other thing that you need to know about this is these are not primarily vehicles that people were renting. It, you know, private people were renting. You know, you go to the airport, you're on vacation, you go to the Hertz County, you rent a car. That's not really what we're talking about here. What Hertz did with these Teslas is they rented them out to rideshare drivers like Uber. Oh. And that's where things get surprising. Because 
I, I, I didn't know that. Sorry. I, I, because personally, I mean, the, the only, I know that this is anecdotal and perhaps, you know, it's a simple way of looking at the world, but please forgive me. Uh, what I've always, yeah. what I've always felt is that, you know, me as, as Greg, uh, I'm not that different than the regular person. And if I go anywhere in the world, if I go anywhere that is not mm-hmm. within my vicinity, I would never rent an electric vehicle simply because I'm not familiar with the landscape. I am not familiar with with the electric charging grid i i don't know anything i i don't speak the languages in many of the countries that i go to so the last thing that i would want is to be stuck somewhere without power so i i never saw renting electric vehicles uh into the rental market as a viable alternative to uh internal combustion engines i am i wrong with that no i mean i i think especially at the moment where EV charging infrastructure is sort of rudimentary. Um, You know, you have a lot of networks like, um, uh, you know, the network that Volkswagen set up um, as part of the Dieselgate uh, scandal being unreliable in the U.S. Um, I'm not totally sure about the charging picture um, up in Canada, but um, I'm sure there there are similar issues. It's just, it's it's an immature infrastructure and it makes, uh, you know, it makes when you're outside of like your little bubble where you're normally driving on a day-to-day basis, EV uh, driving an EV becomes you, you have to do some homework and some research to make sure it's going to work for you. You know, I, I own an EV, and it's it's for a very specific use case. You know, we 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 pulled a map out, we drew a circle about every place we could possibly go in our area, and we made sure that the EV would have twice that much range. So, you know, we had to do our sort of homework to make sure it would work for us, and it works great. But we're not taking road trips. You know, we're driving around our sort of greater metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. It, for for certain cities, and it's, it's, you know, we're talking about the same sort of locations that would make sense for EV ownership. Um, for certain cities, renting an EV might make sense. But when you're a rideshare driver... You know, and many rideshare drivers lease their vehicles, or some of them own them outright. Mm-hmm. Um, what Hertz was setting up when they bought all these EVs to support their rideshare business was actually pretty smart, as far as I know. And I'm not a rideshare expert, but from what I'm reading anecdotally, what those drivers were paying to rent a Hertz Tesla on a daily or weekly basis was generally a little bit less than what they would pay to lease it. Now, I mean, don't quote me on that. That's I, I read several impressions, and they might have been sort of, you know, favorable impressions that were promoted for, for you know, to sort of promote the business. But it seems like it was a good business model for them. But I wonder how much due diligence it did, because here's, here's, the, here's the big issue. It's not EV demand. It's wear and tear on these vehicles. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is the killer here. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing that so, uh, I don't think that they took into consideration, sorry to interrupt, is that the uh, if if you have an appreciating used car market, it made all the sense in the world. But the reality is that the mm-hmm. used, used car prices have been dropping steadily now uh, at a wholesale level for the last yeah. four months, four, five, maybe even six months, they've been dropping steadily. So now this additional wear and tear on electric vehicles is making these car manufacturers uh, lose a tremendous amount of money and losses. Now, you know, my, this is a, 
you know, this is a very selfish concern that I have is that um, now, thankfully, uh-huh. I, I don't have a lot of uh, electric vehicles on the lot, on the on my used car lot. I think that I don't have any right now. But dumping 20,000 electric vehicles into a marketplace, I know that in the in the in general terms, 20,000 vehicles is not a lot because Canada sells about 2 million vehicles, roughly 1.8 million vehicles, new vehicles a year. But when you dump 20,000 of a specific type of vehicle, it will inevitably have an effect on the marketplace. It will drop the prices even further. You know, what do you think that the effects uh, of, of dumping this many vehicles into the marketplace is going to have uh, on, on used car prices overall? I mean, it's not going to help. I, I know that much. And, um, you know, but it's sort of a double whammy, right? You know, the, I, I mean... I guess what I'm trying to say is it's sort of a chicken and the egg situation, right? Because Tesla has been dropping new car prices aggressively to try and, you know, sort of float, uh, raise interest in the vehicles, raise demand for the new vehicles to sort of deal with flowing demand for them. And that has depressed the used EV market artificially, right? Used EVs already have a problem. Um, with supply and demand right now, and then you have Tesla, which dominates the EV market, dropping the new car prices. Well, used Tesla values in the last year have dropped like 30%. I mean, you know, depending on the model, I think oh, yeah. model-wise, 30%. Mo- model 3 is, you know, 17% or something like that. I mean, the um, the values have tanked. So you dump a whole bunch of cars in the market, that doesn't help anything either. But... It's also the, the declining values, Tesla dropping the values of the new cars, which depressed the used car market. That's the other piece of the puzzle that hurt, hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm not intended. Um, so you have these riser drivers beyond Hertz's expectations, and I don't know what Hertz was expecting, but you had them putting tons of miles on these vehicles, and you basically end up, when, when their useful life is done, you sell off the asset, right? Yeah. You try and recoup as much investment as you can. But the rideshare drivers were destroying the vehicles, basically. I mean, putting so many miles on them that they wouldn't have as much value as a normal rideshare turn-in. And then Tesla dropped the prices. Cut, as far as I can tell, no, Tesla wouldn't cut the parts and labor costs for Hertz. Mm. Apparently, I mean, I was sort of reading between the lines and what the CEO was saying, but... They were hoping that parts and repair costs would be lower so they could fix the vehicles up and, and try and recoup some of their investments. So, you, But, you know, the values are down. It's expensive to, to um, fix these vehicles up to sell them off. And the rideshare drivers are putting way more miles on than you expected. So you have this massive problem, mm. this massive, and for some reason, problem they didn't anticipate. And... So then what they did is they dumped a bunch of these vehicles into the leisure sector, which is the regular car rental business, and then there were way too many. You know, they were just trying to sort of staunch the bleeding and push these vehicles into another part of the business, but that part of the business couldn't absorb that many EVs for exactly the reasons you're saying. Like, who wants to, in an unfamiliar place, drive an EV around and have to stress about charging? 
you know? Yeah, it's you, true. you, you so, wouldn't want to. But, you know, one thing that a lot of, a lot of people don't know, Alex, is that uh, uh, rental companies are terrible for the car industry uh, for, for several reasons. <laughs> Number one is that they buy the vehicles from the manufacturer from, for less money than dealers buy vehicles from the manufacturer. Did you know that? Yeah. So yeah, they. Yeah, I've heard that about fleet sales. They yeah. they buy them in bulk, and uh, they can actually get a vehicle from the manufacturers for less money than their own dealers can actually buy them. Number two, when whenever they they go back into the used car market, they they go to the auction and they whenever they release a specific batch of vehicles, they depress the used car market in ways that you can't even explain, but also it depresses the resale value and residual value of the new vehicles because there are so many of them coming back. So, you know, it, it hurts car manufacturers retain their residual values high and the higher the residual value, the lower the payment. So it's a counterintuitive way of growing your business. Now, if you're going after market share and market share alone, sure, car manufacturers will do that all day long. But if you're looking after profitability, rental companies are the demise of profitability for car manufacturers and people do it anyways. I, I think it was it was an ill-conceived idea from the start. I don't think that, like you said, and rightfully so, I don't think that Hertz did enough due diligence into this notion of an electric fleet. And right now, they are paying the consequences that a lot of used car lots uh, are paying because they bought too many electric vehicles thinking that this bubble was going to continue. But the bubble exploded months ago now. Uh, Do you think that they didn't do enough due diligence at the Hertz highest office? You know, I mean, it's hard because I, I wasn't exactly, you know, sitting in the boardrooms and looking over all the documents and making sure that everyone was, was thinking about this correctly. I think, you know, they, just like everyone at that moment, that sort of weird moment towards the end of the pandemic where, where you know, Crypto was soaring and Tesla values were soaring. I, I think it was easy to get caught up in the enthusiasm, and that's a human thing to do. So, I, can it can you know, in the, with the benefit of hindsight, can we say, well, maybe they should have done more research? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they bought high, and now they're having to dump at fire sale prices, and that's bad for their bottom line. It's bad for the broader market. It's bad for proponents of EV adoption. It's here's the thing. In my mind, after doing a lot of research on the story and thinking about it a lot, and it got more interesting the more I did research on it, I think the biggest loser here is Tesla. Because who is going to want to do business with Tesla? Like what fleet, what, what fleet operator that wants to buy 100,000 vehicles is going to look at this story with Hertz and say, oh, yeah, Tesla worked well with them and, and supported them after they bought all these vehicles, reduced the parts. No, they didn't do any of that. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna sign a deal with Tesla to buy a hundred thousand cars for my fleet. Look at look at Hertz's experience. I mean, Hertz laid it out. The the, the CEO of Hertz said they are based at, if you read between the lines of his comments back in, in October at the last at the Q three uh uh, investor meeting, he was all but licking his chops the idea of being able to buy GM EVs when they eventually sort of refill their fleet with EVs. Reason being, GM's uh, GM vehicles like the Bolt 
for example, mm-hmm. are going to be less expensive to purchase than the than the, the Teslas they bought at the top of the market. You know, GM has really established parts repair, uh, you know, um, streams, and their labor costs are going to be lower than Tesla's labor costs. They're, they're a much, much more mature automaker. And so all of these all of these other sort of cost factors that Hertz didn't anticipate are, are going to be less of an issue if they buy from a more established automaker. So, you know, I think that's sort of the, the business story to take out of this is who's going to do large-scale business with, with Tesla after this. I, I think that, um, that was, I, I like to look at it from a different perspective on this one, Alex, and, 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 and this is the way that I see it sure. from, from the industry inside. Uh, us, usually, uh, it's not as profitable or rentable to sell vehicles to rental companies. They squeeze every penny out of you, and uh, often it's just it's just moving the product for the sake of moving the product. And that is not a business model that is sustainable. And I think that uh, Elon Musk, being what he is or who he is, I think that he understood that. I think I don't think that you know he he does a lot of things unintentionally and not supporting Hertz the way that they wanted to be supported is not something that surprises me at all. In fact, if 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 I were Elon Musk, I I I, I don't know if I wish I was, but maybe I should. You know, that's a lot of billion dollars, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> if if I were him, I don't know if I would want to do business with with large scale rental companies again, simply because again your profitability plummets. Uh, they require a tremendous amount of service that may or may not be be able to provide it. Uh, but at the same time, it's not as profitable as selling on a one to one basis to the consumer. I think that their their model seriously disrupted the the dealership model as we know it. And in fact, I think that it won't be long until most dealerships will become, uh, they will be absorbed by the car manufacturers. I know that Mercedes tried it for some time and it didn't work, but the, the reality is this, that dealerships by and large are having less and less autonomy. We don't we don't have a lot of autonomy when it comes to uh, production, when it comes to distribution, when it comes to inventories, when it comes to messages. So Elon Musk I think that looking at it from a from a micro scale uh, is is not, I don't think it's a bad decision. I think that it will hurt resale value for Teslas in the marketplace. Period. And I don't know how you can get around that because the moment that you reduce the prices of your inventory by the amount of money that Musk did, because that was a massive drop in price. It's like everybody was <laughs> caught left offside on this one. And uh, I think that it will have a very very long term effect on resale value on electric vehicles. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what EVs are going to need to do to get out of the hole um, here because, you know, they're subsidized and they're still expensive. Um, the demand issue is real. Um, it's a bit hard for me to say that this is, you know, the the number of factors influencing this are so many that it's sort of hard to say that it's a level playing field between, you know, a few years ago when demand was high and the interest rates were low. What percentage of the soft EV market can you attribute to just sort of economic worries and high interest rates? Um, I think, you know, what we always tell ourselves, you know, in Motor Trend when we're discussing EV topics is it's the price point, stupid. You know, it's, it's ultimately consumers are very motivated on price. 
And as long as EVs are offering the average consumer less vehicle for more money, it's going to be a hard sell. You're going to need subsidies. You're going to need some other sort of USP that is going to drive the consumer to that vehicle. Um, and it's tough, right? It's, it's tough for folks who like EVs. I mean, in, in, in a lot of respects, the EV is a far superior driving experience for a consumer. You know, they're quiet. They're incredibly torquey. They're smooth. You know, there's a lot of benefits. But, um, you know, as long as they're a significant amount more money than an equivalent uh, gasoline or diesel-powered vehicle, it's, it's, you're going to face these headwinds. So it's, it, it's sort of tough. It's tough for me to say what what EVs are going to need to do to get out of the hole. It's tough for me to say what what Tesla needs to do to sort of because I think I think these depressed used vehicle prices are a real drag on the new vehicle sales. Right? You mm-hmm. know why? Why would you buy a new Model Three when you can go? Uh, go get a two-year-old one at like a 40 For half the price. Discount. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's interesting what uh, when you and your group of folks or professionals in the automotive industry at Motor Trend discuss, uh, I, I do agree with you in a couple of things. I, I, I think that... Uh, uh, the consumer today, as much as we like to say that uh, you know price is only an issue in the absence of value, I mean that's the, that's what they try to sell you. But the reality is that in in in, uh, in today's economy, price has never been as important. Price and interest rates will drive business, no matter what uh, what you're selling. Uh, I I do think that um, the bigger issue. Uh, that we have. Oh, you know, the second thing that I agree with you is on the efficiency. Uh, I, I do believe that they, they provide a, the, the electric motor is a far more efficient motor than an electric internal combustion engine. They, they are smooth. They're fast. They're, they're, they're torquey. Like you said, they're phenomenal driving experience. I do not disagree with that, on that with you at all. Now, whether they're better for the environment or not, that is a, that is a question that needs to be answered by smarter people than me. And I won't even venture into discussing that because every time I read about the exploitation of, uh, you know, rare metals to, to create these batteries is, is horrifying what I, what I see. Now, I, I think that the demise of the electric vehicle is coming as a response of force feeding the consumer. I think that if the government stayed out of it, they didn't have to legislate consumer behavior. You know, as much as you and I uh, will listen to the advice of the expert and whatnot, I think that there aren't very many things that trust the government. And governments force-feeding electric vehicles into the populace and interfering with free market enterprising and, and consumer trends is had the biggest negative impact on people's trusting the technology because the government simply is – is force-feeding this into the community now using taxpayer dollars to subsidize multinational corporations under the pretext that this is better for the environment, I don't know. I have to say, Alex, that I'm very, very skeptical about that notion that the government knows best. What are your thoughts on that in closing? Well, you know, so, so I, I you know, I'm going to say this not intending to, to, 
necessarily challenge your viewpoint, but on, on one level I agree, and, and where I agree with you are fossil fuel and ethanol subsidies. You know, if, if, any, if the government should stay out of, out of any aspect of the business, um, I, think, I think eliminating fossil fuel subsidies would be a good place to start. And then you would not have artificially low fossil fuel prices and the sort of the, the cost factor between internal combustion and EVs would be a more level playing field, right? But it, it's, it's way more complex than that. So that, that's, that's a little bit of a simplistic, uh, sort of an, a, a simplistic retort. And, and I want to, I want to acknowledge that, that it's a lot more complex than that. But of course, yeah, I think, I think reducing fossil fuel subsidies would be a good place to start. And I also think, um, you know, it's, uh, investments are required to make change, right? You yeah, know, the government wants to make, uh, you know, think about the interstate system, the Eisenhower interstate system in the U.S. Trillions and trillions and trillions of inflation adjusted dollars, massive, massive project. Yeah, it had defense implications, but, you know, you have to, you have to put up the money to make a big change. And that, in my opinion, that's sort of what we're seeing now. Maybe not occurring with the best optics or the best strategy, but you know, we we want to. I mean, the the train has left the station. This is where we're headed. How we get there is, you know, sort of the important part, but it's also, you know, trains left the station. We're we're heading to an electrified future, and I and I think. Um, I think getting there in a smart way is, is really the important thing. That is Alex Kirsten, everyone. He's a senior editor for Motor Trend Magazine. Alex, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco Show this morning. I really appreciate your viewpoint, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time on this beautifully cold Saturday morning up here in the uh, in the great white north in Canada. Uh, and uh, you have an open invitation. To, whenever you have something, an article, something to communicate, you can always come and talk to me on the show, and um, you can just talk to us anytime. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Alex. Folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network. Uh, we are welcoming classic 1220 in St. Catharines as the new addition to the network. And uh, hopefully you are enjoying the content of the show this morning. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. This is Canada's largest radio show on weekends. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air, Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto, stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Belfer, the phenom, ready to strike. Let's go. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Bro, 
broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg And we're back. If you are just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. This is part of the Greg Carrasco Show Network. Uh, we reach the entire GTA and the Golden Shoe area, and uh, we welcome all the new folks. Uh, the new set of slackers that we have, Lex, from uh, St. Catherine's, so Classic 1220. And uh, also, you can listen to us on the web. Uh, very, very easy to find us. Or you can watch the, the show stream live on YouTube. So I'm easy to find. Nothing to do with the size of my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll share something with you. Um, about six years ago, uh, I did a... Uh, a TV show pilot uh, for uh, for A and E. We put together a, a TV show as it pertains to cars. Interesting. And uh, the show was sold, and then it was sold, and it was bought. And uh, apparently, I mean, don't quote me on this, but apparently, the last company that um, that bought the show, the owner and CEO of the company uh, passed away, and there oh. was there was no heirs or will or nothing. So the the show was shelled. So it, it never came to fruition. It was a fantastic show. Oh, wow. And I was one of the uh, main characters there. But um, uh, we're working on uh, perhaps a second. It was a, it's, we're working on a reality TV show for the, about the car industry. And uh, we, we did some uh, screen testing this past week. It yeah. is pretty exciting stuff. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. So, you know, we, uh, let's, see, let's see how it goes. And uh, I would say that within the next few months, we will know if there will be a car business reality show starring yours truly, even though my face is perfect for radio. <laughs> you know, the, you can never get enough of the car business. Uh, the reality is that we, you know, we all have a car in our lives, whether you, have, you drive one or you, you've seen one, there's one in your driveway, you carry your kids you know, home and back, you go to work and so on. So the, the, the car is such, a, is such a deep and intricate part of our lives that uh, making a decision about it, knowing what's going on with the car industry, e- eventually is going to affect you financially immensely. I mean, this is the second largest purchase that anybody ever makes. And the show here is is set out to educate you, to help you, to answer some questions. And and this is coming from from a position of humility, number one, because I I'm, I'm not married to my ideas and uh, I do not claim to have the monopoly on truth. All I have is 30 years of automotive experience. I have put close to... 60,000 vehicles on the road uh, in my 30-year career, whether as a salesperson or in in upper management. Uh, and I have a pretty good idea 
of what's going on. I have I keep my finger on the pulse. I talk to you guys every single weekend here. You you call me, you have questions, I study, I read, and I try to share my findings with everyone. But from time to time we get important people that come on the show. And uh, this morning I'm very, very lucky to have uh, my next guest. His name is Gary Silberg. Uh, he is a partner uh, for Global Automotive Sector Leader for KPMG. Gary is the Global Automotive Sector Leader as well as the Global Lead Partner for motor, for motor Company. And he has over 25 years of business experience, including 17 years in the automotive industry. So we know that he is the one that makes a real money in this radio show. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. How are you? Hey, Greg. Good morning. And you're, you're way more important than me, buddy. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks for having me on your show. No, my, my pleasure. And you know, what, what drove you to get involved with the automotive industry? The automotive industry is, is beautifully messy. <laughs> because anything you're looking for, you're going to find it in there. So what, what got you involved in the car industry in the first place? Well, I always liked, uh, in my first career, I worked at a company called Square D and Schneider Electric. And, and I worked in a man, it was a training program, actually, and uh, an accountant CPA by training, and I studied economics. And as part of our training, we went and worked in in a manufacturing facility. And I was a cost accountant back in the day. And I was just fascinated. We made circuit breakers, nothing to do with cars at the time, but... I was just so fascinating how all this came together. It was just amazing to me, just from the raw material to the finished good, to shipping it, to getting it to, uh, uh, you know, a customer or a home or, or transport, you name it. So um, when I started working at KPMG, I, you know, our client base is awesome. You know, we have a, a really a fantastic base and I started working with some auto companies uh-huh. and, Oh my God, you multiply it by a thousand when you're in automotive. So it, it was a uh, match made in heaven. No, it was in, I started working with auto companies and I really loved it. And apparently they loved me and it, it's been a great journey. It works when it happens that way. Now, a quick question for you. We, we try to ask this question often. What kind of car do you drive? And there is, this is a judgment free zone well, eh? because I, you know, I drive all sorts of different cars, but what kind of car do you drive and why? Um, Okay. Well, I drive two. Well, we have two cars. Um, and by the way, all my clients who are listening, I love all of you. So at KPMG, we work with everybody. Well, you, at some point, you need that, at I, some point you need to make a choice, right? And there are so many good cars. Like for example, yeah. just to you know, just to keep you on the clear, uh, I'm the vice president of yeah. operations for Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, but I drive a Range Rover Sport. Okay. So you know, I, you, right. you're not alone. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a Ford Bronco and a Tesla Model X, so I have two cars in my family. So, uh, and I love them both. They're awesome in different ways, to say the least. So, I love them both. I I can, uh, you know, I, that's a, that's an interesting choice. The, the Bronco is an interesting car. Uh, it's, it has some real sex appeal when it comes to uh, you know the road, and uh, I think that Ford has is, is done an incredible job bringing that back. Uh, you know, once it disappeared there for a little while for whatever reasons that might have been, uh, I think that they, they they did a good job bringing back an old uh, institution. I I don't want to dive into the reasons 
why the Broncos stop. It's amazing how, uh, you know, personalities and social media can have so much influence on, uh, on a, on a name brand <laughs> as, as it did on the Bronco. But, you know, one of the reasons why I, you know, I wanted to have you on the show this morning is about this annual global automotive executive survey that uh, KPMG conducts around the world. And, uh, you, you know, you, you survey over a thousand automotive executives in over 30 countries and territories to see what the trends are, where the industry is going. It's essentially what is happening at, at a global level. Now, before we go into the specifics uh, of the uh, of the survey, what do you think that is one of one of the reasons why you guys do it? But also, what are some of the biggest takeaways that uh, that you get out of the survey yearly? Well, it's uh, actually our, it's hard to believe this is our twenty fourth annual survey. So. Uh, um, I was a young manager probably at the time when the first one went out in automotive. So I, I, I vaguely even remember helping on it. But uh, the survey is really fantastic because it gives you a forward-looking, at least since I've been running it, uh, that forward-looking pulse of where the industry is at and where it's going. And our clients, people, I'm, I'm delighted you read it. You know, I don't know, you know, now it's this thing they call it the internet, right? You know, so social media gets out there and people love it. Um, so the survey, so that's why we do it. We do it for our clients. And the way the survey set out, the, as, as you said, Greg, you know, thousand executives, you know, these are auto executives from OEMs to suppliers, to tech companies, to energy companies. To dealers, um, you can slice it and dice it from the United States, from Canada. You can look at what the Germans think, the Chinese, Japanese, you name it. Um, and by um, and by level, if it's the CEO, if it's the vice president of blah blah blah, you know. So it's really it's if you're a data geek and want to look at it, it's fun because you call up a question, you click on the question. Um, you can slice it, dice it, and it's in Power BI, so it's just a graph, like, I don't know if you've done it, it just pops up and it'll change for you. So it's, it's really cool from that perspective, and our clients love it. Um, we, we look at four areas, um, and, and I'm happy if you want to walk through it or however you want to walk through this discussion. One is more macro, I should say five areas, if you take this, the global outlook, like how are they feeling more in a macro level? And then we get into powertrain. The digital consumer, which is a lot about the retail side, is uh, I'm sure you know a lot about yep. too, and all these. And we look we look at supply chains, and we look at technology. technology yeah, we ask, yeah. We actually I've asked about ten questions in each one of those areas, so it's not a long story. It's a little over forty questions, but we ask them the same every year, and. And it's fascinating to see how it moves and what people are thinking. You know, before we uh, we take a deeper dive into this, because I, you know, I will walk this um, with you. Um, why don't we do this? Let's let's take a short break uh, to reset. You can have a you know drink of water, and uh, uh, you know, for the audience that uh, that you know, there is about. 
Last time we checked, there was close to 100,000 people that listen to the show live every single Saturday morning here in Canada. Uh, and most of them know that this is what we do. So this is, this is pretty exciting uh, because we're going to be sharing some findings uh, from automotive executives at a global level. And, uh, you know, before you start on the other side, I, I wanted, you know, this is something that keeps repeating itself, Gary. Um, the the automotive industry has committed, you know, and I'm reading, you know, part of the uh, the survey here, uh, more than half a trillion dollars to the EV transition. The industry is asking when companies will see a return on the investments, but most automakers are currently facing losses on battery battery electric vehicles. I I want to touch a little bit on that before we dive into the actual survey on the other side of the break. Is that okay with you, Gary? Sounds good. Okay. Amazing. Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Before you make any car buying decisions, you owe it to yourself to come and see us because those who know know that before you make any car buying decisions, you have to make it down there. Uh, Right now, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. We'll be right back after the break. I have a picture. My wall, an image of you and of me, and we're laughing with love at it all. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. And we're back, folks. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show Network. We have some important people with us in studio. Gary Silbert, global automotive sector leader, KPMG partner, talking to us about the 24th annual automotive executive survey but uh, you know Gary thank you so much for being on the show but uh, before we we went on break um, I was reading a little bit more about this um, this depression this compression uh, that is happening with electric vehicles globally and uh, and I don't mean to um, you know continue hitting you know kicking a dead dead horse with this one because we all know that uh, there is a decline in demand of EVs we don't know the cause, but uh, we are seeing the results right now. At a global level, uh, Gary, what are, what are your thoughts? What do you see the causes for the lack of interest on this? Because it's truly lack of interest. And it's not for lack of awareness. <laughs> you know, everybody's talking about EVs, but nobody wants to buy them. What do you think this, that's happening with the electric vehicles? Well, Greg, it's you got to look at it globally first, and, and then we can maybe talk about the U.S. and Canada, or Canada if you want. I don't know the market as well. But globally, uh, well, first of all, the, the, the growth rate, because it's such a small base, so you're just, you know, when you're dealing with small numbers, uh, it's still actually growing. What, you, what you've seen is a decline is in the, the growth rate. So you actually do have 
increase uh, sales of EVs. Um, even in the U.S., I don't know the numbers in Canada. My guess is they're up because they're such a small base um, to the overall sales. But like in China, for example, um, although you're seeing a little bit of a slowdown in the growth rate there for sure, too, um, it's a big part of the market already. You know, it's, I think, 30, I may be wrong on this, but 37% of the market uh, is EVs. Um, and so it's kind of surprising how it's taken off there. And there's a lot of, I think, the government incentives to get the, the EVs and the technology there. And the Europe's a little bit higher. Uh, but you're right, in the U.S. and, and in Canada, um, it's kind of stagnated in terms of the, 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 the growth rate. So there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, my personal view is, and you tell me, you talk to customers all the time on your show, it sounds like is, the the products that are out there now um, are kind of like the first inning, second inning products, um, is, for lack of a, a better uh, using a baseball metaphor. And um, I think all the enthusiasts who won and won got them, or a lot of them up front who saw that big explosion. And then now you're like, well, is it worth it? These are expensive. You know, I have range anxiety. Uh, I've got to go long distance, the software is not so great, or I'm hearing all these stories. And I think that the consumer is like, well, maybe I'll hold off for a little bit. And uh, and you're seeing a slowdown. You know, it, it, it's definitely the case. The growth rate is definitely slowed. And uh, I think the consumer is sitting there waiting. Um, one other preface, and I mean, you can probe, probe this more with me, but the other thing is, there is a massive amount of new vehicles. There's over 100, 100 globally. Oh, yeah. I think it's 394 new EVs coming to market. So uh, we, we shall see how those do in the marketplace. But they're better than the certain ones, the, the ones we have on the marketplace today. They're, they're getting better and better. But um, we shall see. These, uh, As we like to say, these are the billion-dollar bets. So we shall see. Well, I, and I, I, I do... <laughs> I draw a comparison to flat screen TVs. I mean, I still remember when they first came out, you know, 15, you know, 15, 17 years ago, they were incredibly expensive. They were not that big. They were not that efficient. They were just flat screen TVs. And only only the enthusiasts, only the rich people, only the one percenters were the, the ones who could potentially afford them. And look at us now. You can go to you can go to Walmart and buy a <laughs> a 70 inch flat screen TV for seven hundred dollars. Uh, so they they are everywhere now. And you know personally, when when you have busy people. Uh, you don't have the time to sit and wait for the vehicle to be recharged. I mean, if you were able to give me 800 kilometers and uh, charge in three minutes, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. I have no issue with that. But I think that I think that we are a long ways away from doing this. And uh, one of the things that I, I have noticed is that I've been reading a lot about, um, you know, I, I recently, let me just give you some background. I recently uh, visited Chile, where is the country that I was born. I've been in Canada for a very long time, but uh, I was born there. And um, reading about the automotive industry in Chile, um, less than 0.5% of all the vehicles sold in Chile are actually electric vehicles. In fact, there is almost no knowledge, no interest, no desire. And I, I, I do find that whenever you reach a mature society, when you have enough money, uh, 
when uh, putting food on the table is not an issue anymore, uh, then you start looking at other things. You look up. You start looking at social issues. You're looking at environmental issues and so on and so on. But when yeah. you have a developing country, when your number one concern is to survive, they don't care. They don't, they don't want to drive electric vehicles and, and inconvenience themselves in a way that, uh, they, they, that is not necessary because there are more important things to do on a daily basis. And I, I find that, uh, that is happening in, 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 yeah. in, in America, you know, whether it's in Central America or South America, it's happening in Africa and it's happening in mostly yeah. South Asia. Now, China excluded on this because China, uh, is globally is the largest producer of vehicles on the planet. A lot of people don't know this. Yeah, by far. Yeah, no, you're right. I think I have another paper. <laughs> Maybe well, you can invite me back on the show some other time. But uh, read it. It, it came. It's called the future of powertrain. Place your billion dollar bets wisely. And it came out uh, in 2020 ish time frame. And I think you would like that paper because. It talks about what you just described, and that is that this is a global market. And in South America or in Africa or in Southeast Asia, you're absolutely right. Um, adoption of EVs don't make sense. There's not a grid. They're very expensive. The GDP per capita won't afford it. So I think you're spot on. And, and it goes back to, for me at least, um, the industry, and this is why we talked about, you, you put it in, 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 you read it out loud, is this half a trillion dollars of investment. Now the question is, when are we going to get the, when are the companies and the industry going to get a return on investment for that? Because that is massive amounts of, uh, investment. And, you know, that, that, that's a huge question mark. And the, the issue is, if you say I'm an all-in EV player, um, if you're a legacy player say, I'm all in, I'm only going to do EVs, well, then you're giving up massive amounts of the population that can't afford EVs. That's and right. This is a risky strategy. This is a risky strategy, if you think about it, just at a macro level, because what, there's 7.9 billion people on planet Earth. I think there's, I think in our study, we said that there was close to 6 trillion people on the planet that had less than 20,000 GDP per capita, you know, and they don't have the grid. I mean, you would be giving up huge parts of the population to sell um, um, different types of vehicles and different types of powertrains. So um, I think you've hit on a very, very important point. And the, the companies, at least the legacy players, in my view at least, who have said we're only going to do EVs, we're only going to do EVs, all of a sudden you're seeing, well, well, well wait a minute here. Maybe we've got to slow down here. Demand is not as strong as we thought. This is very expensive. We have to pay for it. And I think you're starting to see more of a, I'll call it a, a mosaic of powertrains. And, and our view of the world is going forward is that's the future. You're going to have EVs, absolutely. But you're going to have, I was just at the Consumer Electronics Show, hydrogen. Yeah. This may sound crazy, but I'm telling you, hydrogen has tremendous potential, certainly in the trucking area. Um, I think you're going to see huge amounts of hybrid vehicles, certainly in the near term. The internal combustion engine is not going away anytime soon. So I think you're going to have, and who knows what other incredible innovation we might see. But uh, so I think it's a really cool future, but the future is a mosaic of different types of powertrains not just EVs. And I think the smart companies, unless you're a pure EV player, you started out as a pure EV player, I think that's a great strategy. You know, the Teslas, the Rivians, uh, 
you know, the looses. If that's what you, all you do and that's all you're focused in on, that's great. But legacy players should be very cautious in putting their eggs in one basket, given the global world we live in. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I, I, I was fortunate enough to work a few years with Hyundai, uh, Hyundai and Genesis. And uh, a, a few years back, I think that this was in the year 2017, they had a pilot project for hydro cell vehicles in Vancouver. And uh, they leased out, I believe it was 500 hydrogen vehicles that, uh, that they wanted to test out in the marketplace. And I thought, what a brilliant, brilliant idea. Uh, you know, my concern with the EV, yeah. my concern with EV was that uh, they, they're putting all the eggs in one basket. But you see, w whenever it comes to global trends, there is, you know, personally, I work with Nissan and Infinity right now, but, uh, you know, that doesn't blind me from from the global players. And now from from the legacy uh, car manufacturers, the one that I always look up to is, is always been Toyota. Uh, Toyota... Uh, you know, certainly it's one of the most respected uh, company factions on the planet, but also the very, very conservative in the way they pivot in relation to their powertrains, uh, in the way they pivots in relation to their technology, in, in relation to uh, the markets by and large, they sit and wait. And often they have been criticized for taking so long to take action. But I don't see Toyota headed head on putting all their eggs in the electric vehicle market. In fact, that they, they are dominating, uh, at least up here in Canada, the, the hybrid market. I mean, if you want to find a hybrid RAV4 right now, in Canada, we call them unicorns. They don't exist. They are sold out for the next three years. Do you see that happening globally <laughs> with other car manufacturers? Yeah, no, you're, uh, no, that's absolutely correct what you just said, right? And the... Uh, they can't in the United States. Uh, hybrid is uh, taking off massively, and if you look at our, uh, just, you know, it's even in our survey results that we ask the question: If you were able to double your, uh, if magically we said you could double your research and development budget, what powertrains would you spend your money on? And hybrid shot all the way up. It's, uh, it's number one. I think now we're tied in the U.S., but in globally, it was number two now. And it, it goes to show you that the auto industry and it was hydrogen was also part of that and the internal combustion engine and EVs is that they're realizing that this mosaic of powertrains, this portfolio of powertrains um, is the right way to go. And Toyota, you can see it in the results. You know, they had tremendous year last year. They're incredibly well run company. Um, you know, I think, you know, they thought a lot about this and, uh, you know, and they're also, by the way, making EVs. Don't, don't forget that they, the Lexus brand is going yep. big in EVs. I think they want to have three, over 3 million, I think is their number by 2030, maybe wrong on that, but, uh, EV sales. So, you know, it's not like they're not selling EVs. They are, but they're also selling hybrids and they do hydrogen too. I don't know if you've seen the Mariah. I was in, uh, the Tokyo this summer. Um, it's pretty amazing. And Hyundai just announced at the Consumer Electronics Show an incredible strategy in hydrogen. So there's a lot of really cool, I like to say, sexy technologies that are great for the planet. Uh, it's really innovative. Like you said, the hydro, you gave that example. And they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. So it makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. And that's how I think of the world. And when my, people ask me, I say, you know, that's a fulfill, right? You better be careful um, putting all your eggs in one basket because 
these are these billion dollar bets aren't for the faint hearted. Yeah, for, for sure. Now, you know, taking a little bit of a you know a, of a deeper look into this survey, uh, this global survey. Um, and, and no pun intended, this one here, the, the global outlook of this global survey, where, where are we going? Where, where is it taking us? Are we growing? Are we shrinking? What is the outlook of the, of the car industry in relation to you know, the, the confidence that automotive, you know, the car manufacturers, retailers, consumers, uh, where do you see this going based on in, in global opinions from these executives? So the survey we asked again. We, it's a great question we asked on. You know, we we say you know five years from now, it's a good forward-looking question. You know, where do you see your profits going to be five years from now? Higher, lower, about the same, etc. And each year we've asked that question. Um, the first few years is like it's going to be fantastic. We have this fantastic future, and there's there was a tremendous amount of optimism. Um, and I like to say, I wouldn't say it was like rainbows and butterflies, but, you know, they're, they're spending, ma- at the time, it took me a couple of years ago, they were beginning to spend massive amounts of money on especially these electric vehicle plants. I know potentially Honda announced, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's like at least north of $15 billion new plant in Canada, potentially. And, you know, you see these billions and billions of dollars of plants being announced all over certainly the United States. And um, there is this sense of optimism. And, you know, Greg, you don't go to the board of directors if you're the CEO and say, you know, can I have $15 billion, you know, um, to go invest in, you know, EVs or you name the technology. And by the way, you know, we're going to finish in ninth place, right? You don't say that. You say, we're going to win, right? And I think that was the historical context of, incredible optimism in the first few years we asked this question mm-hmm. this year however this year it started to come down for the first time and this is the the dose of realism i think is hitting the industry it's like oh wow um this is hard you know software defined vehicles is easy to say but damn this is hard to implement you know and and are we going to be able to make money in battery electric vehicles and the cost of the battery and the, the cost parity and how long is it going to take us to be able to do it as, as cheap as a uh, um, internal combustion engine? And I think this dose of reality has kind of hit the industry. Um, and this is going to be harder than you think. And as such, the sentiment came down. Um, I myself, I'm an optimist. I actually think the industry is going to be amazing going forward. I honestly do. I think your example of the televisions now, you, you said, you know, the flat screen TV, you know, think about it now. They're like, what did you say? I don't know how much you pay at Walmart to get them, but, it, you know, the future is going to be incredible. That said, not everybody's going to make it because not everybody can do all this now. Mm-hmm. And at such pace, and as the talent and the technology from AI to the software-defined vehicles, and this is not this is a powertrain agnostic. Um, these are massive bets and complexity, and not everybody's going to make it. So I think there's going to actually be a shakeout in the industry. Um, but the winners that go, I think, are being amazing, and I, I think you're starting to see that realism in the survey. I, I do see it, and uh, uh, that that is one of the one of the things that appeal me the most about this this survey because it doesn't shy away from the tough uh, answers. 
there were tough questions. Do you see your company? Do you see the industry more profitable? And he tells you straight up, no. Many many of the company factors and executives, you know, their their confidence in growth, their confidence in making more money has dropped, except in China. Uh, China Chinese people were very very comfortable <laughs> with saying, yeah, you know, we, we, we're gonna we're gonna be okay, it, which is something to, that that we need to pay attention to. It's, it's definitely something that we need to be aware of. Now. Do you think that car manufacturers can continue to increase prices? You know, and you know that's number one question. Number two, should they, considering the global economical situation? What What were the thoughts of the executives on this? You know, that's a great question too. This is one where I was uh, I was actually surprised, and I, I don't. I and mean, you tell me. I actually like to get your opinion on this in Canada and some of your listeners, but. Um, they said in the survey that they think they can continue to raise prices five to even ten percent this year, and um, I have my doubts. I I think with the economics, uh, with higher interest rates, which makes the vehicle much more expensive, the supply chain is a lot better. So inventory levels, I can tell you, inventory levels at least in the United States are up significantly, and you're starting to see more money on the hood, if you will. Um, I don't see it happening, or if it is, it is not five to ten percent, maybe a tiny bit, and it would be have to be some specific vehicles and huge, huge demand, um, and there's not enough supply. So I think this this isn't going to happen the way they think so. And, and if they're planning on it, that's a risky strategy to plan on being able to raise prices because I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, it's certainly, if it does, not at that level. I think it'll be much, much lower in very specific vehicles. And you already see with the EV prices, um, EV prices have come down dramatically on average. The average transaction price of an EV, I can only quote the U.S., but um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, the average EV was like 60, I don't know, maybe $67,000. Yeah, and that's dropped quite a bit. Yes, in the 50s, you know, well below, you know, low 50s now. I haven't seen the latest numbers. And um, that's one of the reasons I think you see in the survey. They're like, oh, my God, are we going to be able to make money now because the prices have dropped so much? So I don't know. I don't. I, what do you think? I'm curious. What do your listeners say? Do you think people are able to raise prices still? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so, especially when, you know, inflationary restrictions are, you know, tighten up the everybody's you know, budgets here up here in Canada. Uh, I don't think that raising prices is the right strategy. On the contrary, I think that deal, uh, car manufacturers are going to have to start uh, pumping up their incentives and insolvented uh, interest rate for in, to generate some sort of uh, activity because the, the market has been flat in Canada for the last, I would say, four or five months now. And January is turning out to be mm. a very, very flat month uh, from, a, from a TIV standpoint. Uh, but I I, I think that company factors have been very, very profitable over the last three years. In fact, COVID was probably one of the best things that could have happened to the company factors, not the car dealers, company factors. Um, you know, simply because you know we they didn't they weren't selling as many vehicles, they didn't have to incentivize their product, and and, and many people don't understand the dynamics of company factors and their and their profit. I mean, you know, their their marketing budgets are huge to solvent the rates, and that cuts into their profits. But for the last what, two and a half years now, they haven't had to put anything on the hood of their vehicles to move them. So they are raking in some profits. But I do believe that there is a there is an increase in manufacturer numbers. 
uh, because they need to keep up, you know, keep the, the, the plants open. Uh, but also, I think that there is a decline in consumer demand because prices are so incredibly high now. Um, you know, car prices yeah. are higher, interest rates are higher, and the combination of those two is making a lot of people buy out their loans, buy out their leases, and not re-enter the marketplace. And that is something that car manufacturers need to pay a tremendous amount of attention on. So, no, I don't think that they... Could they? Sure, they could. I don't think they should. Uh, and uh, that's, 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 I don't that's, think they can, actually. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So we're on the same page. I just I think the, the law of economics is not going to allow it because... Um, you know, you've been in the industry 30 years. Once you have incredible competition where somebody, you know, has more inventory, they drop the price. Are you going to be able to keep your price that high? I don't see it. I think, I think the law of economics like gravity is going to pull down or at least keep them from being able to raise prices. Even if, like you said, even if they would like to, I just don't see the economics won't allow them. It's going to be like gravity. I don't. I mean, that's my view too. I agree with you. Well, I I, I think that time will tell, and uh, you know, just like with elections, uh, the consumer will vote, and they will vote with their dollars. And and the the key players, the ones that are have the finger in the pulse, uh, are the ones that are going to come out victors on the other side. But you know, we um, we're going to take another break, and on the other side of the break, I, I want to skip the the power trends because we did address that a little bit, and there is so much meat in this survey that I can talk to you for hours, Gary, and I I wish that we would have more time mm. because not only you are a very in, in, engaging uh, interview, but uh, you know I love the content of this survey i want to ask you um what you what you think of the digital experience um and uh, don't answer that yet uh, i i, I want to ask you what your thoughts are in, is the consumer finally going to adopt buying vehicles online and i'm going to give you my thoughts on it but uh, let's take a short break gary and we're going to be right back so folks the show is brought to you by oakville nissan and oakville infinity you are listening to the greg carrasco show network canada's largest radio show on weekends We'll be right back after the break. All you got is this moment. 21st century is yesterday. When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, I'm Hazel Grace, and I'm here to let you know that if you want to be my friend, you got to be choked first. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no friendship between us. And you are watching The Greg Carrasco Show. Don't miss it and don't blink it. back if you are a slacker and you just tuned in you missed an amazing show today folks but we still have a few minutes left with Gary Silver he is a KPMG partner and a global automotive sector leader 
You know, I'm really enjoying this uh, this this conversation with you, Gary. I, you know, I, I want to extend that invitation to you because I, uh, we have another five minutes on, uh, until I need to sign off with you, and uh, there are so much stuff that we can discuss here. Um, but I'm also interested in talking to you about this other paper that you talked about in relation to betting on uh, potential uh, power trains of the future. You know, and you know, perhaps we can arrange something for us to meet again in the uh, in the month of February. What do you think, Gary? Sure, if I can work it in, we'll, we'll try to have it happen. But sure, <laughs> I'm having fun with you, too, so this is great. Thank you. You know, what, what I want to ask, and this is the last question that I'm going to be able to squeeze in for this hour. It's amazing how quickly an hour has gone by. Are customers finally going to adopt digital retailing in the car industry? Because based on what I've seen, they don't want to. What are your thoughts on this? Well, this is a this is an uh, interesting question. Okay, so in the survey, and I, I'll give you, let me read the question out loud so your your listeners can hear the the what we heard back from them. Then I'll give you my point of view. Okay. So because um, the, the digital experience is is more broad, but and online retailing is very important of it part of it. So how important do you think the following features will be for consumers when deciding to purchase? a car in the next five years. So brand image, driving performance, seamless and hassle-free experiences, one of the things that shot off the roof, <laughs> if you will, um, in our survey from each year, it's, it's gone up tremendously in terms of the, the one of the reasons for, for you to actually purchase the vehicle. So the question is, what does that mean? So part of it, which I want to get to in one second, is the digital online experience of buying, actually buying the vehicle. But the other part of that, which I want to just touch on a second, is that within the vehicle, the seamless and hassle-free experience is with the software. Okay. And so many, I bet people on your show call in to say, you know, I tell my car to go go here and, you know, it doesn't understand me or it goes to the wrong location or the damn software doesn't work or, it, it, there are disaster stories uh, that I hear all the time. You see it in the consumer reports. You see it in the JD Power survey. Is the electronics, especially the software, doesn't work at, at auto grade like it needs to, and customers do not like that. It's one of the largest and most frustrating areas. And I would argue the companies to get the software right in the vehicle to make this experience uh, work every time, all the time, like the hardware of the vehicle we would expect at Sigma are going to be the winners. And I, I'm, I'm hearing it all the time. I bet your listeners, they get frustrated as hell. You know, when the software doesn't work, I told you one of my cars, I won't talk about, you know, the one that uh, I talked about is pretty damn amazing software. If you start off as a software company and a computer company um, and go forward with that, that is a critical, critical competitive advantage. And I think this is an area where the industry needs to get better. So that's just one comment I wanted to give you. Um, but you wanted to talk about uh, the retail experience. So um, online buying. The survey, people want to be able to shop online. What's unclear, and I think this is the case, is they still want to test drive the car and play with the car and have the car. Yeah, that's um, right. But they also want to be able to, right? So I think it's got to be... Um, a hybrid version of that, an omni version, if you will. I think the online experience of being able to 
pick your color, pick all the trim, slice it and dice it any way you want, and be able to go to the store and drive it or have areas. I think that to me is more of the future, and we see that a lot in the data. But having a good or great digital experience is incredibly important when you're buying the vehicle. And I hear tons of frustration where people configure their car online and then they go to the dealer and they're like, well, we don't have that car, so go buy this one. Or oh, I, we, we have to redo the entire process because it doesn't interface with our system and blah, 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 blah. People get frustrated. Yeah, I hear you. It's, uh, it's, it's something that you know, we, we've, been, we've been flirting with for a very, very, very long time here. But I can tell you that coming out of COVID, uh, people were just absolutely deprived and stuck starved of human interaction and uh, you know, there, there is something so personal about a car that is it's not like buying a set of you know espresso cups you know through Amazon <laughs> you know you, you need to go in there you need to you need to put your hands and wrap it against that fat steering wheel you need to smell that brand new leather which is the most expensive perfume and, and carry on but you know Gary thank you so much for joining the Carrasco show this morning I really enjoy talking to you and uh, you know you have like I said to you before you have an open invitation to come down anytime. And thank you so much for taking some time. On I'm sure that you have a busy weekend uh, to come and share your knowledge with the audience here on the Carrasco Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Greg. And uh, have a great rest of the weekend. Take care. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Lex, I really enjoyed talking to Gary, man. That was nice. It was, it was a full hour straight. I could have gone talking to him for a couple of hours, especially because there was such an honest and, and genuine interest and curiosity about the car industry uh, from him that I enjoyed. I wish I would have been able to touch uh, with all the other topics within that survey because I, I do believe that uh, uh, it, it is important to know what global automotive executives know or what they are thinking anyways in relation to the industry and, and apply those experiences i mean that's a that's a massive uh, think tank in there don't you think mm-hmm. i mean it's uh when you have somebody who know who's in the know as much as greg or as well, you gary you and gary are it's uh it makes it for a great educational experience listening to what you guys are talking about and how you guys are going about everything well i i try and, and this is what what the show actually does uh, today was my first day back uh, from being away from the holidays uh, now i i do need to uh, bring something up because whenever we have to do a, a best of or rerun of the show because I have something to do or maybe I have a life of some sort, you know, people don't like it when I have a life <laughs> or go on vacation. I, I, I try to do my best to not be around in January. January is hard on me, man. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's dark and gray and cold and... <laughs> January in Canada is awful. I find it more awful than February because February there's some stuff going on. You know, it's like as much as I despise Valentine's Day because you're forced to tell people that you love them and it's like, oh my God, you're going to buy me something. You know, I hate it with all of me, man. I, I, I mean it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to do something for Valentine's Day to, do, to, to tell your person that you love them, you're doing the rest of the year wrong. Yeah. You know, you're doing Agreed. it wrong. But uh, then we also have the, the car show. It's the beginning 
beginning of the uh, spring selling season here in Canada. So the car show is a big deal. In, uh, in, in typical car show form, I'm, I know I'm going to get threatened by those, you know, um, goons at the, uh, of the store that must, must not be named. Every year they challenge me to a fight. It's hilarious. Uh, so I'm sure that I'm going to see that. that, that that's very entertaining. So there's something going on in February, but January? <laughs> that's, that's, if January had a sound effect, you know, if, you know, if January was, you know, it was just nothing more than a sound effect, January in Canada, it would be, uh, <laughs> or maybe this one. Uh, let me see here. There we go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's January for you folks. That's January. Um, what was the name of that caller that kept on, uh, you know, dropping the call? What was his name? Johnny Wishbone? Johnny Wishbone, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, shout out to Johnny Wishbone. Johnny uh, wanted to talk to us, but we couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, he was, uh, he wanted to send a, a big thank you for us uh, just shooting up the airwaves uh, across the lake. Uh, across the lake to St. Catharines and that uh, Golden Horseshoe area. Uh, uh, folks, uh, you have no idea how... Uh, happy I am that uh, the Greg Carrasco Show Network now is getting simulcasted, uh, not only from Saga 960 here in the GTA, but also out of Classic 1220 in St. Catharines. And uh, you, hopefully, I'm going to be able to keep you entertained. Uh, hopefully, what's that? Uh, do you want to take a call right now? Uh, do we have time? Uh, we have we have maybe about a minute or two. Okay, who do we have on the line? Uh, didn't say, but he wants to talk about he or she wants to talk about Chile, Richards, Serrett, David Menezes, and uh, Christopher. Menezes. Uh, yeah. Well, let's give her one minute. Uh, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. How can I make your life better this morning? Hi. Yes. Hey, how are you? Here, I'm going to leave my room. Yeah, how are you? What what what's in your mind? It's great. That, well, I just wanted to say I enjoyed hearing you with uh, Richard on the, your segment with Richard Serrett last night. Yeah, you're tying in your whole ex- you're tying in your experience in Chile and tying in what happened with our deputy prime minister, minister of finance, who freezes people's uh, bank accounts. Oh, good God, David yes. Benzie. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 quite it's quite scary what's happening out there. I mean, I, 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 it is impossible to just stand by and not be terrified and say something about it. And that's what we try to do here on the show. I'm, yeah, I don't know if I'm right, but I can tell you is that I, I have. I have a superpower, and it's called perspective, <laughs> and uh, and I try to use it as much as I can. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, thank you so much for uh, appreciating what I do with uh, the Richard Serrett show on Friday nights. But uh, do you have anything else on your mind? Well, I just wanted to mention. Well, it was great uh, your electric vehicle segment today. That's another thing that the government, as you said, I don't think they they know exactly what's best because of the climate change issue. But uh, your friend. Uh, Randy Taylor, uh, you were on his show. It'd yes. be great if you could get him to go on to um, to St. Catharines, uh, 1220. And I'll yeah. leave it with that. Have a great day, and it's <laughs> wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so very, very, very much. And folks, thank you so much for indulging me yet again for another three hour of radio extravaganza. You can download the podcast uh, out of iTunes uh, podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts immediately after the weekend. And you can listen to us on your own time. But in the meantime, if you need to make a car buying decisions, those who know know that there is only one place for you to buy the car. Where 
is that, Lex? Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan. Why is that? Because there's something happening here. At OakvilleNissan.com an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!